This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Oh, welcome into the show. It's Wednesday night and time for the MD's Fantasy Football Show. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mader. Thanks for tuning in live on our YouTube channel. Be sure to subscribe to the channel and hit the bell notification to get notified whenever we have new content available to you. You can also stay up to date with the show when you're on the go by downloading us on your favorite podcast app. It's Operation Domination time, everybody, which means it's time to preview our fantasy football analysis, a little betting analysis, and get you guys ready for the up coming week we got a lot to go over of course we didn't have a recap show so we'll try to work some of that in as we go along chase cracks open the beer i love that we're all ready to roll chris is in the building and just like that we got a full crew welcome chase thornton chris dowhauer and adam larue how are you guys doing after week one still get still catching my breath but uh yeah hell yeah ready to go Dude, it was nuts. I was just talking to Adam right before we jumped on. I have a league where I had J.K. Dobbins, I had Aaron Rodgers, and I have Garrett Wilson. And I don't know what the hell to do about Garrett Wilson. J.K. Dobbins and Aaron Rodgers are long gone. But, yeah, no, that fun, fun times, fun times. One most of my league, but, you know, it's always the ones that you lose that you just irks you the wrong way. Chris, how we doing? Doing pretty good. I mean, what's going to be like, a, a you know, in the future we're going to tell our kids, remember there was a guy named Aaron Rodgers. He actually played for the Jets. At one point, for less than a minute, yeah. <laughs> he's gonna be great in that immaculate grid game, like a two years from now. <laughs> How many snaps did Aaron Rodgers play? So, Chris, do you think he's done for his career? You think he's gonna hang it up after this? Think he's gonna come back next year? I think he's gonna come back next year. Um, I think Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to go out like that per se. Um, it is gonna be interesting though, he is gonna be 40. Uh, he was contemplating retirement, you know, going into this season. Do you want to put all that rehab in? Do you want to do all that work? And in Achilles, as you get older, uh, we've seen the other guys, you know, their careers, and especially more so in the NBA than the NFL, but it's a scary proposition as you get older. It is a scary proposition as you get older. But, yeah, I, I think Aaron Rodgers' ego is too big for him to not try to come back for one more season. And the Jets are all set up for him to be back next year. I kinda, I, Chris, it might have been you who I was talking to. I actually thought the Jets, from a managerial standpoint, a cap standpoint, were actually better suited to go all out next year after they reworked the contract of Aaron Rodgers than necessarily this season. So, you know, if he comes back next year, I think the Jets will still be they'll still be right there. It'll definitely be better than Zach Wilson. I'll take I'll take you a step further than that. I think the Jets are playing it all wrong. Everybody's worried about the competing still this year. Why not tank, get Caleb Williams, and get Aaron Rodgers back next year? And all that crap. I don't think their defense will allow that to happen. <laughs> yeah. do that, there, might, there might be a little too much pride going on yeah. on one side of the line. Should have did that and start Monday night when you had the chance against the Buffalo Bills. All right, this is Operation Domination. It is week two. We want to get you guys Cashing tickets and winning championships. Let's talk about our Thursday night matchup between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Minnesota Vikings. So first off, Kenneth Gainwell is officially ruled out. So I had to adjust my roster there a little bit. So that was number one. But let's before we get into that, let's talk about the quarterbacks a little bit. Obviously, you're starting Jalen Hurts. I don't care about that. I want to talk about Kirk Cousins because I have him ranked at QB 13. ECR has him at QB 19. Now, I know it wasn't pretty 
this past Sunday against Tampa Bay, but he still finished as a top 12 quarterback this past week, did he not? Sometimes it doesn't have to look pretty to be fantasy relevant. So when I look at him against the, the against the Eagles, we just saw Mac Jones go off for 300 yards with absolutely no weapons. Cousins just had 344 yards, and it could be a similar game script where he's having to come back behind against the Eagles. And you know what? Before you try to hit me with Kirk Cousins and the primetime thing, Thursday nights don't seem to count as far as his primetime itis. Thursday nights, he actually averages about a 68% completion percentage, 7.89 yards per, per, per pass attempt. He's not terrible when it's the Thursday night game. So I'm not worried about primetime Kirk Cousins. By the way, before I kick this over to Chase, uh, 267.5 passing yards for his prop. He's been over that for the last six games. So I like the over as well for Cousins. Another big reason why I have him on the bubble. Chase, what, what are you making of this, man? I do not ago agree with you on any way, shape, or form on this. Okay. Right no, I've I've got him actually. I've I've actually got him lower than consensus. I've got him down around twenty two right now, this week. Um, it is prime time, Kirk Cousins, and you can say what you want about his Thursday record being slightly better, but he's eight and ten on eighteen night games, four forty four for his career. He's 38, 24 and one otherwise, a six hundred winning percentage otherwise. He's not a bad quarterback. But when he faces these better teams, which, which let's face it, they're usually better teams in primetime games that he's facing, though. Something about the lights, something about it, and, and I'm, I'm not conjecturing here. He throws more interceptions. He turns the ball over more in his primetime games. That's the entire difference between primetime Kirk Cousins and regular Kirk Cousins. He turns the ball over over one time a game in primetime, under one time a game every other game in his career. You're talking about Philadelphia who uh, had, you know, were, were our, our turnover machine. They were all last season. Uh, and, oh, by the way, they were third in the league last year in turnovers. And, oh, by the way, when they've played each other last year, he only threw for 221 yards and three interceptions. So I'm, I'm, going, I'm going the under on his yards. I do not have him ranked in the top 12 this, year, this week. If you've got him in your super flex leagues, keep him in there. He's still a low quarterback, too, and he's, and he's always got the ability – to go off, but it is primetime Kirk Cousins. I'm out on him. Okay, Chris, I saw you nodding your head. You want to jump in there real quick? Well, I was going to say, Chase, does it matter that it's you know Amazon and that everybody can get it, and then you know people are pissed <laughs> off because the stream doesn't work all the time, so maybe it's kind of <laughs> the pressure's off because it's only the people in the state well, and the people only are always playing parts of the things going on. Look, I'm kind of in the middle. I, I I think Chase made some great points, especially the last time the Eagles played this team. They annihilated them in the playoffs. Um, well, I will say for Dan's perspective is you saw Matt Jones put up a lot of yards. You're going to see a lot of sacks given up from this Vikings offensive line, especially without their center. Uh, they're not going to run for a lot of yards, so they're going to be passing most of the time. So I do see there's a, there's a, you know there's a path to get the yardage. What you got to be concerned about is what's your penalty in your leagues for turnovers? Because as Chase alluded to, turnovers are a gigantic problem. That was a lot of people last week where you might have got numbers in some leagues you're happy. Other leagues, Kirk Cousins wasn't a top 12 guy because the turnovers, you know, between the fumbles and interceptions really bitching the butt. And you want him getting a guy with an average quarterback, basically. Well, like you you said, there's a path to the yardage, but a path is not something I want to put my money on. Just well, to briefly add, is Darisaw is questionable too. So it's Bradbury's out right out, but Darisaw True. like probably plays going to be hurt. <laughs> like, yeah. no, that that's fair. I just want to hit this drop for Chase. So we remember. Whoa, whoa. 
We'll see on Friday, my friend. All right, let's move on here. Uh, like I said, Kenneth Gainwell is out. He was the bell cow, not the rotational back, not the little sprinkled and easygoing guy, the bell cow for the Philadelphia Eagles. So now it looks like DeAndre Swift will be that guy. I have already updated my rankings here. I have now moved Swift to my RB27. Uh I can't move him to top 24 just because it was so bad. And they'll, they'll probably activate Rashad Penny. So he'll probably get a handful of touches. Boston Scott will be involved to some degree. I do expect DeAndre Swift to be more of the Kenneth Gainwell type into this game. So for me, he's definitely a flex play. But my goodness, Adam, what do you make of this Philadelphia Eagles situation? I know they were telling us Kenneth Gainwell, but I wasn't expecting Kenneth Gainwell to be the bell cow. No, I wasn't either at all. Uh, I definitely still felt comfortable flexing Swift in some spots, you know, kind of thought he would get in the rotation. And he's always been a back that, you know, you give him 10 touches and you're typically okay with the fantasy production. But even that was was an uphill battle. So that makes me comfortable still playing him in some flex spots this week with Gainwell out. Uh, But the future of this backfield, I'm really curious about. Yeah, I mean, when they're all healthy, Chris, are you going to play any one of these guys anything more than flex play if they're all healthy? I think eventually it's going to pan itself out. I'm a big believer that talent winds up winning out throughout this season, particularly in backfields. Kenneth Gainwell isn't a bell cow back. That's why he's already banged up and hurt. Um, so I think that you kind of saw his what he, his ceiling is in a sense last week. And I also think this is, you know, just homage to Adam here. This is so cold to them. I mean, this is like Jeff Wilkins playing with Kenneth Gainwell the first game. Jeff Wilkins gets all the carries. You're like, what the hell is Jeff Wilkins involved? Where's Naheem Hines? Where's Marlon Mack? Where's Jonathan Taylor? And then the following week, it's like, oh, wait a minute. We do have better, more talented guys to use. So I just feel like this is something that was a game plan script in a lot of ways. That game got kind of out of whack as it was because the Patriots fell behind so early with the turnovers and the you know, early, 16, I think 16 nothing right off the bat. So the Eagles offense really never kind of hit its stride never really had a shot established running the ball. And DeAndre Swift, I mean, regardless of him being the bell cow or not, isn't going to get one touch. You know, Dallas Goddard's not going to get not targeted. So I think this is something just kind of go back to the norm you know, after this week. No, the Epic Colts thing was when all four running backs were all listed as co-stars. <laughs> that was that was the most Epic Colts well, thing ever. Well, that's what the Eagles just did, right? Going into this that's week, that's how they listed them. Exactly what it was Rashad Penny, it was DeAndre Swift, it was Kenneth Gainwell, it was Scott, all listed as starters. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's how we're treating this Swift in the flex right now. Madison, you're going to play him as an RB2. Uh, Justin Jefferson, obviously playing him, AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, they were actually one of the shining, brightening lights of, for the Eagles and Jordan Addison. I still like him as a flex play, although he played behind KJ Osborne. I think that will take a little bit of time, not much time to get going. I want to talk about the tight ends with you guys. We'll kick this back up the chase here. So you're happy enough with TJ Hawkinson, not from a production standpoint, but from a target standpoint, like the guy was out all training camp came in number two target right off the bat. But what about Dallas Goddard? You know, Chris just kind of mentioned him. Zero targets or one target, I believe, zero catches. Coach did make some comments this week that they need to do a better job getting him the ball. You always like when the coach takes that, you know, into consideration. It's a middle of the pack matchup here against the Minnesota Vikings. And uh, his player prop, just, just to give an idea here, 44 and a half receiving yards. You're not going to feel confident about betting on the over on that after a game like this, but he is still over three of the last four games. And this isn't a matchup where you should shy away from it. So I'm not setting bet over or under on it, but I am saying use as barometer to think Dallas Goddard should bounce back. He's my tight end five. ECR has him at seven. What say you? I know I've got him at five too. He's still a high end guy. Uh, listen, 
he does not last week was a complete and total anomaly. He hadn't had a game with only one target since 2020. That's a complete fluke. He averaged all, you know, five and he averaged almost six targets a game last season. Now I know that Shane Steichen is out and in Indianapolis moving on to their running back shenanigans and Brian Johnson's in. And we have to, we have Brian Johnson has to find his, his, his stride with, with Nick Sirianni here and, and how they're going to run this offense. But the, you know, you think you need to get more targets to your high end tight end because Dallas Goddard, when he's used is one of the best tight ends in the game. And I'm not just talking from our fantasy perspective and our betting perspective. I'm talking like he's a good damn player on the actual football field. You need to get him some targets. You need to take some of that pressure off of your, off of your backfield, use him the way that you've used him his entire career when he's been healthy, he's healthy. Now Um, I don't necessarily, like you said, I don't feel comfortable betting on an over on that, on that right now, because they are still finding their stride, I think, and, and figuring out, you know, how, how they're going to call this offense. But uh, if you've got Dallas Goddard, it's week two. Don't panic, calm down, have some dip and uh, sit back. He'll be fine. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. Before we move on here, Alexander Madison, 15 and a half receiving yards. I got the over because, as Adam pointed out, the offensive line, I don't know how much rushing he's going to do. I do think he will get involved in the receiving game, especially some linebackers banged up on the Eagles side, too. I forgot to mention, actually, that the Eagles are favored by minus seven points. The over-under is 48. Eight. I think it's going to be a little bit lower scoring than that, but I do like the Eagles there minus seven points. Let's move on to the Green Bay Packers and the Atlanta Falcons. And we got some things to talk about here as well. Now, luckily, not too many things on the injury side, but we do have Aaron Jones hamstring, Christian Watson hamstring. We're going to see how that plays out. Neither one of them practiced today. Tomorrow at 930, we will be having Brian Scott on for an injury inquire episode. We'll be talking to him about that then and get a better idea of what their availability is going to be. Uh, In the meantime, I'm not streaming Jordan Love yet. It was sort of promising the two touchdowns, but still 55% completion percentage. And Desmond Ritter, <laughs> he was bad. Let's talk about that in the context of Bijan Robinson, Chris. With Bijan, obviously he was he was fine. He gets the touchdown, he gets the 16 opportunities. He was the number one receiver. In fact, he had 33% team target share. It's like a, a wide receiver one level. It's freaking ridiculous. And I'm not even that upset or concerned about the about the, the, the workload between him and Tyler Algier because Algier had nine of his 15 carries in the fourth quarter when that game was already over. It really wasn't as close as people try to make it out to be. So what do you make of Bijan and Desmond Ritter and what you saw of the Arthur Smith offense? I mean, I think I make the same thing I kind of make going into this season. For me, Bijan was going to be a guy who was going to be utilized as a weapon, not necessarily the bell cow back. I think Algier is going to have a role of going out throughout the season. I think Arthur Smith's kind of shown you that and what Atlanta's going to do is whenever they can kind of just win with their backs, they're going to try to do so. Um, I think what we saw last week was a, a team that hasn't won their first opening game, I think, in the most decade. Um, and I think what you saw Desmond Ritter do was go 15 for 18 for a buck 18, which looks horrible. But then you look around the league and you realize everybody threw off like 150 yards. I mean, Joe Burrow had 83 fucking yards. I mean, it's, it was like it was ridiculous <laughs> watching football last week. So I think it's really hard to you know judge too oh, harshly, um, and I think what you're looking at was an Atlanta team that once they got up and they knew they could just win, Desmond Ritter wasn't going to pull the trigger. Now Arthur Smith did call him out after the you know the game, talked about some of the opportunities of pushing the ball down the field. They didn't like the sacks he was holding on the ball for, 
But I think you saw a quarterback basically just not want to lose the game to the team and held the ball accordingly. I don't know if it's going to carry over yet this week, so I don't make judgment yet there. But the backfield, to me, Bijan is still going to be a stud. I just think it's going to be a little bit differently where people think was just going to, he's going to get all the carries. I think he's just going to be a guy who's going to be heavily involved. Well, I, and I said this to you going into it, and why Bijan was my number one. All he has to do is get 50% of the carries, and he's going to get over 300 total touches. And he's not, he's not off by that at all. And eventually, I do think it will flip in the sense of it's Bijan getting 55 58% and not Tyler Algier. So I'm not worried about Bijan at all. You saw how special of a player he is. I will say with Ritter, I do think this carries on because his yards per target and his air yards per target were exactly the same as what we saw in four games last year. Now, I don't think it's going to equate into Drake London never gets targeted, and we can move into that conversation real quick if you want to, uh, but I do think that carries on because it's right in line with what we saw last year. Adam, help me out with Drake London. I mean, what do you do with this guy? Do, do you can't play him. Do you, do you keep him? How long do you keep him for? Do you try to trade him? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I think you have to keep him for now. Uh, I'm not sure how long you would keep him. Uh, to be honest with you, he was someone that I avoided at cost this offseason just by sheer I don't believe in the quarterback. Uh, I, I just really don't. I you know love him as a wide receiver. Uh, same with Pitts. Love Pitts as a tight end. I don't trust Ritter to consistently throw for more than 200 yards, to consistently complete more than 20 balls. So that just kind of ruins this whole offense from a fantasy perspective. Uh, so, yeah, I, I definitely think it's a real concern. And, again, it's not the ability of uh, a Pitts or of a London. It's just the nature of this passing offense. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, Kyle Pitts, I have ranked at, at since you mentioned him, I have him ranked at 12th. Just, just, you know, like, just because, like, the talent gap there, I, I can't bring myself to put him any lower. I don't feel good about it. At all. Chase, do you? You feel any better about it? No, not at all. I have him down at 14. I, I mean, I, the problem is, is you've got two guys on you've got two guys on the team, Drake London and Kyle Pitts. They're both target monsters. They're both going to soak up a gigantic amount of targets share on that team. But the problem is they're not going to see many bankable targets, anything that they can actually do anything with. Uh, and as, as long as, you know, the yards per target are going to be minuscule, shorter than me, and I'm 5'5", uh, you know, then they're not going to score you anything in fantasy. Kyle Pitts is going to be this continually frustrating you know, entity until we can either get him out of Atlanta, which won't happen for a while, or we can get somebody in there that can throw the ball. Whether that becomes Desmond Ritter, I'm not overly confident in. But uh, yeah, there are two guys right now I don't want any part of in my lineups. Um, I'm not bailing on them if I have them on my roster yet. But if I can get somebody, what I'm hoping for is that one of them, if they're on my roster, I'm hoping for just a flash game. And then I can nail somebody who, yeah, lost lost somebody and, and, and needs or needs help in one of those two rooms. Yeah, I agree. The engine's going to be the running backs. Chris, talking about running backs, let's go back to Green Bay real quick. Let's assume Aaron Jones has a hamstring injury and he winds up being out. And he didn't practice today. And that means everything gets turned over to A.J. Dillon. Right now, I have him ranked at RB35. Obviously, if Aaron Jones is out, I'll be bringing him up much higher than that. But only because of volume. I don't know if A.J. Dillon's any good anymore, man. Like, 1.9 yards per target looked slow as could slow could be. Just didn't look good at all. And up until Aaron Jones tweaked his hamstring, this wasn't actually like a one-two punch like it had been in the past. It was all Aaron Jones. What do you make of A.J. Dillon? 
Yeah, I I think it's kind of hard for me to judge the running backs as well. We had a lot of guys who also didn't have great yards per carry. Offensive lines really weren't opening holes. And I think the big thing for A.J. Dillon is a guy who has to kind of get his legs moving. He isn't going to guy who can dance in the background. He's not going to beat you with his speed around the corner. Aaron Jones' big plays came with him utilizing his speed and beating Chicago to the edge. That's not what A.J. Dillon is going to do. And I also think some of the game call – um, you know, we're going to talk about the Rams going forward, but some of these teams are putting running backs in situations where you know what the play call is basically going to be. It's going to be to them, or they're going to hand the ball to them, and everybody and their mom on first down and 10 knows what the play is going to be and prepare for it. So I think A.J. Dillon, if he's going to be actually utilized when you don't know what's coming, I think it'll be much more effective than when it's kind of now you have a role, you're going to be this guy, and we know what you're going to call when he's in this game. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. And like I said, if Aaron Jones is out, he's getting all the volume. You play him, he'll probably be, if not in my top 24, right around there. Last guy I want to talk about for this matchup is Romeo Dobbs. I have him actually quite a bit ahead of the ECR, but I'm also ranking him as if I think Christian Watson's going to miss another game because it didn't sound like quite like Christian Watson was quite back and he didn't come back to practice today. So I do have him at 34. ECR's got him at 41. And even though he wasn't 100%, you could just see there's clear chemistry, I believe, between Jordan Love and Romeo Dobbs, especially saw in the red zone he had five targets which was tied for the most on the team even though he was third in snaps and second in routes run it didn't seem to matter so Romeo Dobbs a little bit healthier this week Adam are you starting him in your flex yeah I'm, I'm in that situation where I have him kind of in my flex considerations in a few leagues right where he's, he's kind of a guy that's coming in and out uh, depending on the matchup and for me I've been erring on the side of playing him uh, when I was doing my lineups today, you know, starting to get ready for the weekend. Um, I'm erring on the side of playing him. Yeah. Uh, by the way, the Packers are favored at minus one, the over under 40 and a half. I have to wait to see if Christian Watson, Aaron Jones alike are going to play before I decide to pull the trigger on that one way or another. Let's get to our next match. <laughs> Before we do that, we do have a question coming in. David, 10-team half-point PPR, Waddle, Olave, Aaron Jones, David Montgomery, Travis Kelsey, Zave Flowers, Kyron Williams, and Dobbs. And he wants to know, should I trade Kelsey for Chubb? Uh, no. no. I, I would not do that. Is anybody Would anybody here do that? No. The, the, the upgrade between Montgomery, Chubb to Montgomery, which is what you'd be playing. You'd be playing Chubb over Montgomery. The upgrade there does not give you the, in, the walking in the door advantage over the rest of everybody else that Kelsey does. Kelsey over any other tight end is such a, a huge advantage. You have to hang on to that. The rest of your team is not poor at all. Hang on to what you've got. Run with Kelsey. He's going to play. He'll be back. And when he does, you can't beat that advantage. No, I know your running backs are a little bit weak, but with Travis Kelsey, you are getting the number one man at the position whenever he gets back, and it might be as soon as this week. I'm not giving up that advantage for an RB1 that you might be able to find again on the waiver wires. These guys continue to get injured, and they can, they will continue to do that. Uh, our next matchup is between the Raiders and the Buffalo Bills. The Bills are going to be looking to get back on track after a abysmal Monday night football game. They're favored by nine points right now heading into this matchup and that might not be enough i know the raiders played well against denver but we'll get to that a little bit later so why i thought that was obviously josh allen by the way josh allen you get on it right now because these props will change 259 and a half passing yards over under for josh allen i'm smashing the over i think he comes back with a vengeance this week so i do like that one quite a bit obviously playing josh jacobs adam let's talk about james cook a little bit 
I got him ranked at 20th. ECR has him at 16. I'm a little bit lower. Yes, the usage overall was good. He he got most of the work like we thought he would. But two things happened. He was getting the work in goal line situations, which was that we kind of thought would happen. But he also wasn't getting the work in two-minute drills and third down and locks, which seems to defeat the whole purpose of what James Cook gives you fantasy value for because they had Latavius Murray coming in the pass protect. Now, maybe it's just because they're playing the Jets. Maybe that's how it's going to be. What do you make of James Cook, and what's your value on him moving forward? Yeah, I think the 20 you have, Matt, is about fair. Uh, there's certainly matchups where he can be a little bit higher, especially, uh, you know, plus matchups, super plus matchups for the Bills. Um, but, yeah, I, I think the way he's getting deployed right now is concerning. And I, I think his ability to win doing really anything except for running to the outside, it, it's, you know, I struggle with. Uh, I definitely was concerned anytime he went to the inside. And granted, Jets defense is fantastic. Uh, and they were playing definitely with a chip on their shoulder after losing Aaron. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm concerned about James Cook. I, I think I would also be a little bit below consensus on him. The, the only reason I even still have my top 24 is because it's, it's the Raiders. Like, he might bust. This is where he might bust a big play. So that's why I'm still playing him this week. Did have 18 opportunities at the end of the day last week. But, again, I'm a little bit concerned if you're not going to get those special special fantasy situations when you're a player of that type of style. Uh, Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams actually picked up a foot injury today. Beware of that. We'll have to see how that plays out. And then I do want to talk about Jacoby Myers, Chris. Now, I have him ranked at 46. I'm kind of just ranking him as if I think he's not going to play because of the concussion issue. But this is a guy that – are we having to take note of Jacoby Myers moving forward in this offense with the target share that he got last week? I think people should have been taking note the entire time. Now, look, he's not going to produce like he did this last week. He's not going to be receiver one. He's, you know, they had Devontae Adams, but he's going to be clearly, I think, that receiver two in that offense. I don't think he's going to get competition from air. I don't think he's going to get competition from Renfro. I think Myers has been handpicked by Josh McDaniels, and the guy can play inside and outside. So you look at all those different factors, and he's pretty talented. I mean, he got riding a lot, you know, for, for not scoring touchdowns in New England, but the guy was one of the better receivers they had in that team. So I think right now he's getting second and third corners that he can definitely beat one-on-one. And Jimmy G knows how to look for the kind of guys. So I think Myers is a guy that's going to continue to be on your flex radar and maybe be receiver two some weeks for you. Especially in full point PPR. I mean, 47 snaps, 24 routes run, 10 targets. Here's what I liked about it and why I think it's sustainable. The targets got consolidated around Myers and Adams. And as long as that's the case, both of them I think will be just fine. Chase, you going to play Gabe Davis this week? Um, I've got him at 32. I've got him in flex range. I've got him at 33. Um, yeah. I mean, if, if you've got him and that's your option, you, you can do a lot worse. Uh, I'm honestly, I mean, I don't, I don't know that he necessarily has as big an upside in this game as, as he might otherwise, but 32. Yeah. I mean, he's flexible. Yeah, I just feel like if you have Gabe Davis, it depends on your roster, obviously. But if you have Gabe Davis, if you don't play him against a team like the Raiders, I don't know when you're going to. You have to play him knowing that you're not going to have the comfort of the week before to necessarily propel your expectations the next week because he's a boomer bust player. That's what he does. You want to play him against matchups like this. Uh, The tight ends, look, I have Kincaid and Dawson Knox outside my top 12. Both had four catches last week. Both were involved. Shocked. I am not let's move to our next matchup we got two teams that need a bounce back now 
It's the Ravens and the Bengals. And I know the Ravens won last week, but it was one of the ugliest wins I think I've ever seen in my entire life. They need to thank Houston for being terrible. And Cincinnati, boy, was that bad. I know the weather played a part. But whew, that, was, that was bad on Cincinnati. And we know they're a lot better than that. So when you're looking at this game, right now the Bengals are coming in. They're favored at home at minus three and a half. The over-under set at 46 and a half. We're hoping to have guys back like Mark Andrews this week. And, and I know that the Ravens will have to go into the running backs, and we'll get into that in a second. Well, Lamar Jackson, you have to play him. There's no question about it. Just erase it. He's not the only quarterback who had a bad week. Same thing goes for Joe Burrow. I want to lay out this for Joe Burrow real quick. Against the Ravens, unlike the Cleveland Browns, where he is they're, they're his kryptonite, well, guess what? The Sun as a Superman, is the Baltimore Ravens for him. Over 311 yards, almost two touchdowns, a game on average against Baltimore. He lights them up. I'm looking for them to get back on track, along with Joe Mixon and everybody else. Chris, I want to talk to you about the running back position. I have Gus Edwards at RB32. Now, I know Justice Hill was the one who wound up getting the red zone looks last week, but I think things get weird when you go in with a certain game plan and all of a sudden your starting running back goes down. It's hard for me to believe that Justice Hill is going to be the goal line back with Gus Edwards probably taking the early down role. Do you agree with that or not? Because that's pretty much what I'm basing him being a flex play on. I think it's going to be a mix for the both of them, actually. I think you saw last week, as you saw, use the formations, and when they go spread, they like, use Justice Hill in their spread. So they kind of need a show that, you know, they were going to throw the ball, possibly get that kind of personnel, and then they try to go a counter off of that. I don't think that's going to change. You saw that a lot in Georgia. I mean, it's by James Cook's in the pros. Um, I think that's kind of what Justice Hill's role is going to be. And I think Gus Edwards is going to continue to be that banger. I think Justice Hill is the guy who's more versatile, and I think you're going to see these guys necessarily have a role, per se, when it comes to the red zone. Yeah, uh, Just real quick, do you think do you have a running back in this group that you think is going to emerge, or is this going to be a full-blown committee all the way out? I think it's going to wind up being the both of them, and I think we saw, uh, you know, uh, I'm not going to say Justice Hill is going to be J.K. Dobbins, so I'm not sure kind of compare that in a sense, but we saw J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards split carries for the last couple of years. We saw Mark Ingram split carries with somebody. I think this is you're going to see Ravens kind of get back to their bread and butter, having two guys that kind of rotate in. Maybe Melvin Gordon is thrown out there once in a while, but I think you're going to see these two guys predominantly be Gus Edwards kind of that banger. We've seen, like I said, look at the Georgia tape. You're going to see a lot of similar guys that have roles. You had the early, bank, early down bangers, and you had the versatile guys like a McIntosh, like a James Cook. Justice Hill's going to be that guy. He's been that guy this whole offseason, so I think that won't change. Yeah, and, and this is why I had these guys a little bit lower on my rankings list that I posted on social media, at MDFF Show on X and MDFF Show everywhere else. And the reason I'm a little bit lower is I do think this is going to be a full-blown committee. And I think Melvin Gordon could be annoying enough to even take away what Justice Hill and Gus yeah. Edward take away from each other. Go ahead. Real quick, I'm not worried about the committee part. I think Melvin Gordon's toast. Um, but what I am worried about is we saw us in Philadelphia. These quarterbacks, when they're getting paid and they run, they stop running. They found reasons not to run. They get all coached up about handing the ball off and, and doing different things. And if they're not going to hold the ball and be explosive, that kills some of the running backs when you don't you don't get the 20 touches because you only get 12 or 14. It's explosive plays that help those guys. And when they don't get it because the quarterbacks not holding on the ball, that's what you saw in these backfields. Yeah, and I'll, the one last point I wanted to lay out is that Justice Hill, even if he's the pass catching back, and he was, he was, he ran most of the routes run out of the backfield last week, didn't account for one target. This is still not a team that checks the ball down to the running back all that often. 
Let's talk about somebody who did light it up, though. Let's talk about Zay Flowers there, Adam. Uh, this, this is a boy. You know, you're a dynasty guy, too. We've been harping on Zay Flowers for, for freaking ever. I got him at RB, tw- uh, sorry, wide receiver 28. I actually am two spots below the ECR. That's a reflection of, I think we need to temper expectations a little bit if Mark Andrews is back in the lineup because they're going to operate around the same part of the field. But, man, he looked like the best receiver on the board. What do you like about Zay Flowers? Are you starting him this week? Yeah, I, I have been moving him uh, into lineups. He is someone that I, I have in a lot of spots, both redraft and dynasty. Uh, and, and I had benched him kind of across the board last week just to see what was up. Uh, and I was really pleasantly surprised. Look, I, I think for him, yes, I agree with you. Mark Andrews is going to come in and he's going to lose some targets. Um, but he's someone that can win deep a lot. And he really wasn't doing that too, too much. He was kind of that, you know, let's just move the chains. Let's, you know, kind of operate keep the ball moving down the field. Uh, and I, I think that they're actually going to open him up a little bit more to do other things, um, you know, with Mark Andrews coming back because he can be the one that's kind of moving the chains and you can see Zay getting them down the field a little bit more. Yeah, I totally agree. OBJ was out there as much as he was. Rashad Bateman looked like he was a backup. And the important thing is that Zay Flowers are playing in two receiver sets. That was the most important thing, I think, for his value. Uh, Jamar Chase will bounce back and so will T Higgins and by the way bye, bye, bye. T Higgins I think is a buy candidate because when you get zero people like to panic after week one I would send some trades over to go get you some T Higgins while his value is rock bottom because I think that's actually a move that can be made right now believe it or not uh real quick, yeah. real quick on that Dan he had two catches for 27 yards last year to start the season so yeah. this isn't something T Higgins can't bounce back from just starts bad. He still finishes the top 10 mm-hmm. receiver. So if you can go out and get T Higgins, please go ahead and do so again. If Mark Andrews plays, he'll be our number two. So you're good there. Uh, let's actually, you know what? On that note, let's go ahead in our next matchup. Let's talk about Seattle, Detroit. The line is loving Detroit after they beat up on Kansas City and probably somewhat because Seattle dropped the ball against the Rams. Detroit is favored at home at minus five and a half. The over under at 49, believing, you know, when we had this big higher high powered scoring game last year, maybe we get some reflections of that. I'm not touching the over under. If anything, I'm probably going to go under. Detroit's defense showed me. It did get a little bit better. I think it's a little bit overblown because if we Travis Kelsey's out there, I think we would have seen a different result. But did get a little bit better. And Geno looked bad against a really bad defense last week. I think this actually might wind up being lower scoring than people are picturing. I'm actually going to take, I'm not taking the lines at the five and a half, but I am going to take the under on this game. Chase, let's talk about Geno because I got him at QB 14 holding the spot because, again, it is the Lions. Fireworks could happen. The offensive firepower is there. I'm not going to say that he's totally the dreaming quarterback all again after just one week, but it did not look good. And there's no way he's in my starting lineup this week after playing the Rams and only playing up 112 passing yards. Do you have faith in Geno moving forward or is he coming back down to what he was before last year? I don't know if he'll be as stratospheric as he was last year and be the number five quarterback in the league i i have him as i am 15 this week i'm quite right in line with you i agree with you i there's there's too much there for him there's too many weapons and, and there's too much talent on that team right now to totally discount him or you know and toss him aside he did show that he had ability last year in this and especially in this offense the way they want to use him but uh you know hey number five do we does anybody really think he's the number five quarterback in fantasy or otherwise 
it was the truth was probably always somewhere in the middle. And, uh, you know, right now I want to see more out of him before I want to rely on him as my number one quarterback. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. If he doesn't do it this week against Detroit, then we're probably going to leave Geno Smith right there on the waiver wire. Uh, Adam, let's talk about Kenneth Walker a little bit. And I got him. I'm actually a little couple spots lower than UCR. They got him at 10. I got him at 12. Doesn't matter. So call him an RB1. Here's what I was impressed with. He was the lead back. He had 18 opportunities. Charbonnet was a backup. DJ Dallas was annoying. He actually played on two-minute drills. Why they have this fetish with DJ Dallas, I don't know. Hopefully it goes away sooner rather than later. His, his, his rushing prop right now is 60 and a half. I like that a lot against Detroit if he's going to be the lead guy. What say you? Yeah, I, I think they've shown him, shown us that for now at least he's going to be the lead guy, and I don't think that's a situation that's going to change rapidly. Uh, I, I do think that Charbonnet is going to slowly kind of climb the ladder here, but I think that's going to be a slow process by closer to midseason rather than it being a, you know, a week or two from now. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I feel like Kenneth Walker is still very safe right now. It's just I don't understand the fetish with DJ. Like, you, like, we have to have a Travis Homer. We have to have a DJ Dow. Just, just yeah, that's that. But that's the thing, Dan. Like you just said, let's not pretend like it's it's a new thing for the uh-huh. Seattle backfield to be an annoying cluster. You know what? <laughs> I mean, they've always done this, no matter who's been talented or who's been healthy or who's been not healthy. And DJ Dallas is still going to have that annoying role, in my opinion, until and unless uh, Charbonnet becomes the lead based on something happening to Kenneth Walker, honestly. Uh, you know, I think that Charbonnet takes over the DJ Dallas annoying role from the standpoint of a Kenneth Walker owner. But, uh, I mean, Charbonnet can do it all compared comparatively to Kenneth Walker. So until that happens, until he ascends to the top of that room, which remains to be seen if it happens or not, it's just, yeah, you're not going to get everything that you should be getting out of it because it's going to be going in three different directions. Two-minute drill, Pete Carroll. Two-minute drill. Really? We need DJ Dallas a two-minute drill. Jesus. Uh, let's talk about David Montgomery, who is my RB13 on the week. Chris, I'm going to get you in on this one because we were preaching this all off season that David Montgomery was going to lead the way, was going to get the touches, and Jameer Gibbs was going to have the DeAndre Swift role. That's exactly how it played out on Thursday night. What did you take away from that? Do you think this maintains? Uh, I think it's going to be, you know, sway a little bit more to Gibbs being more involved as the season progresses. I think you're going to see more of a Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara role eventually formulate in this backfield. They did spend the draft capital on Gibbs. They do have, I think, the vision of him being Alvin Kamara. But I think right now, especially against the Chiefs, what they were trying to do is be out physical as team. They had a game plan that they were going to be physical. They were going to try to establish a lot of scrimmage, and they were going to give the guy, David Montgomery, the, you know, the, the cut touches in a sense. But I also see a trend as you talk about different guys getting rotated in these backfields and who's playing, who's not playing. A lot of these rookie guys aren't being trusted by their coaching staff to play in past adjusted situations. And I think that's why you see these other guys randomly get thrown out there for different situations where guys are being pulled off the field when their teams are down and somebody else is playing for them. I think it's another situation where you saw something similar to that happen where it's just not trusting you know, the young kid kind of play on third down pass situations. And I think that's why – you know, Gibbs wasn't involved in the passing attack that people thought he was going to be as much either. And I think moving forward, you're going to have pretty much a 50-50 split probably, but it's going to be Montgomery who's going to do a lot of the you know the heavy lifting in a sense. Uh, I think a good comparison backfield could be the choice backfield last year or even looking at what Dallas was last year with Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard the last few seasons 
or they have an explosive guy who gets you know the big plays and the guy who kind of does the dirty work and gets the touchdowns. Yep, couldn't say it better myself. When you're a young running back and you're not quite there at pass protecting yet, don't be surprised they come off on third downs every once in a while. I will say this, Montgomery didn't get targeted at all. So the Lions for a team that typically would involve their running backs in the passing game, it didn't really wind up happening all that much. Uh, last week, you know, 55 snaps to Gibbs is 19, took all the goal line work, but it was also the pro game script. And that's what I think is going to be the big thing for Montgomery. By the way, I'm hitting his over at 58 and a half rushing yards this week because I do think they're going to have a pro game script again. On that note, I do have Gibbs at RB15, believe it or not, because what I saw from him was a guy who's ready to explode. There was a couple times where he could have took one of the house. Like he was just, he was on the cusp there. So I'm not sleeping on Jameer Gibbs by any means at all. Uh, wide receiver wise, Amon Ross St. Brown, plug him in. We got to love him quite a bit. And DK Metcalf getting back on track with the touchdowns. Let's talk a little Tyler Lockett there. Uh, Chase, help me out here. Tyler Lockett, you know, he, he still worked ahead of Jackson Smith and Jigba, but wound up getting one less target. You think this is just Tyler Lockett being boomer bust, or are you starting to get a little bit worried that Smith is going to eat enough away where Lockett might not be as consistent as years past? You know, I, hey, I've said it before that, I mean, the last, last few years, Tyler Lockett's consistency increased exponentially to where you could rely on him every single week, as opposed to trying to throw the dart and figure out which week was going to be his 32.4 points, you know, in that game. Um, but now they've got Jackson Smith and Jigba there. That's by far the best third talent they've had there, regardless of other position, uh, you know, in the passing game. Uh, and so there's, there's competition now for targets opposite DK Metcalf. So I think Tyler Lockett may be a little more volatile. I'm not buying into the ascendancy of JSN quite just yet. And, and, and discounting Tyler Lockett. I still think Tyler Lockett is the number two in this, in this passing offense. And, you know, it's a good, we know it's a good enough passing offense to sustain good numbers from their receivers. Um, Metcalf is going to be your sure thing, your steady thing. I think Lockett is going to be volatile. I think JSN is going to get his occasionally, but uh, it's going to be up and down until, until, until one of those two isn't there and can take over fully the role that right now they honestly both fill. Yeah, no, 100%. I still have Lockett as a top 20 receiver this week. He's still going to be in my lineup. Uh, Sam Lilly, who at the flex? Nico Collins, David Montgomery, Jordan Addison, or Javante Williams? Well, just based on my rankings alone, it would be an easy David Montgomery for me. Adam, yep. what do you think? I'm also pretty handedly David Montgomery. All right, we have another question from Cruz Garcia. Would you trade Drake London for Joshua Kelly? I'll go back to Adam again on this one. No, uh, I would not. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, it's just too much of a disparity in talent. I don't think Joshua Kelly is a, a special football player. I think he finds himself in a very strong position uh, and he is a very valuable handcuff and he can handle, handle some standalone value. You know, we, we've seen uh, that offense uh, incorporate multiple backs before. And I think that uh, he will be more involved than the backs behind Eckler have been in the past, but that just, I, I can't do it. The talent disparity is too big. Yep. I t tend to agree. Joshua Kelly's only useful if Austin Eckler is going to be out. And he might be out this week. We're going to talk about that later on. But I'm still going to hold on with Drake London, the talent that he is. I'm not going for a part-time running back player, uh, especially this early in the season. 
The one last guy I want to talk about in this matchup is Josh Reynolds. This is probably the biggest discrepancy I have. Maybe as we work through the week, the ECR will catch up, but I got him at wide receiver 47 when ECR has him at wide receiver 82, which I just don't understand. He's the only other option that I think you can trust in the passing game right now. It's not named Amon Ross St. Brown, and he had a solid showing against Kansas City Chiefs in a game that didn't wind up being as high scoring as we thought it would be. I don't have him as a flex play, but I think if you have a dart play and you need to throw somebody in because he had an injury this past week, I think Josh Reynolds can be that guy. Uh, Chris, do you see the same way or no? Yeah, absolutely, dude. I mean, we saw the same thing from last year, and I don't know why Josh Reynolds is getting forgotten about from last year. Whenever he was healthy, he was going to get you a six to eight points. That was what he's going to do. If he scores a touchdown, you're excited, but he's going to get you 60 to 80 yards because he's that second receiver option. When Shark went out, that was the guy they looked for. And it's going to continue to be the way. When St. Brown's going to command a lot of attention, they need to throw to somebody else outside the hashes. You need a guy who can kind of push the football down the field. And Josh Reynolds and, and Jared Goff seem to have a chemistry from the old days of the Rams, too, that kind of carries over as well. Yeah. Uh, just throw this in there. Josh Sam, Reynolds is a money DFS play. Yeah. 100%. Josh Reynolds is a money DFS play. 100% Chase. You, you called it right there. I love that call. And just to kind of wrap this thing up, Sam Laporta is my tight end 11 because basically if you got five targets and you're a tight end, you're in my top 10 this week. Congratulations. Uh, Cruz Garcia, he said flex this week. Brian Robinson, Elijah Moore. I'm going to assume it's Kyron Williams or Jackson Smith and the Jigba. If I had to choose, it'd be Kyron Williams, but I don't feel great about that group. Who's Who's got a better feeling here? I think you guys strongly consider Brian Robinson. I mean, he was involved heavily last week. I think he's going to continue to be more involved than people expected him to be in a sense where they're actually going to use him in the passing attack as well. He didn't catch a touchdown pass. I don't think he's necessarily going to be a guy who's going to, you know, turn off Eckler or anything like that. But Robinson's probably the safest play. If you want to go for a little more upside, Elijah Moore was heavily involved for that Cleveland offense. I know it wasn't pretty, but they handed the ball to him. They looked from down the field. They know they continue versus secondary. That's definitely questionable at best. Yeah, remember, uh, Elijah Moore is playing against the Steelers. I like that. If you need the upside, because I don't really want to play Kyron. I've, I have him in my top 36. I do have Brian Rimes at a couple spots higher, but I don't love his match against Denver either. If you So if you want a safe play, I agree. Brian Robinson, if you want a, a, a shot play there, I would probably take a look at Elijah Moore on Monday Night Football. Uh, let's get to our next matchup. <laughs> We got the Chargers and the Tennessee Titans. The Chargers are on the road and yet still favored at minus three points. The over-under 46. It's always dangerous when the Chargers are favored at minus three points. They always find a way to blow those games just like they did this past week against Miami. It was right on cue, wasn't it? Brandon Staley's talented defense underperforms and they blow the Jets. Let's do Chargers and Jets things. Like, just, just, just <laughs> fire Brandon State already. Make Kellen Moore the head coach. It's unfreaking believable. Yeah, the Jets thing, the, the curse of the Jets, man, that's, that's tough. We talked about Aaron Rodgers at the top of the show. Uh, Justin Herbert was good. <laughs> and one of the few top quarterbacks who actually was good this past week. So you're obviously playing him. And Tannehill looked horrible. We're leaving him off. Austin Eckler, he does have the ankle issue. The Right now, the latest report is they're going to wait until the end of the week to let us know what they think is going to happen with him. He will, Of course, he's a top play. If he does not go, I think I need to go to Adam here. If he does not go, Joshua Kelly, who I've ranked at RB37 right now, will probably catapult into my top 30. Not sure how much higher off of the top of my head he'll go. Uh, if, if Austin Eckler cannot go, 
is Joshua Kelly just going to disappoint us because he's really the Joshua Kelly of old, or do you think you saw something different in him this past weekend? I think the run game just built a little bit better, or at least a little bit better for him. Uh, so I think from that perspective, I trust him a little bit more. I think realistically it's somewhere in the middle, right? I, I think that was just a big game for him. Um, but I do expect a little bit more from him than we've seen in years past. Uh, I would be pretty comfortable playing him um, in a handcuff situation. Uh, and I, I think that there's a, a pathway for him to develop into – uh, a flex type player when the chargers are in like heavily favored situations. Uh, we'll have to wait and see on something like that. But uh, I, I do think he's going to get real usage throughout the season. If they're going to give him 16 carries every game, he hasn't seen that kind of type of carries since the second game of his career. Literally he's never yeah. seen, he doesn't see that kind of care. If they're actually going to give him that kind of usage, sure. He can have standalone value. Yeah. yeah, Chase, to your point, he, he was the bell cow after Eckler got you know tweaked up a little bit with the 16 carries, 91 yards, and don't forget the routes run. It didn't equate to anything in target-wise, but he was running patterns too. So, yeah, he turned into a bit of a bell cow after that. Chase, what about Tajay Spears? Like, we're not playing Tajay Spears. I get that, but I think he's somebody that I needed to bring up because he needs to be on your radar. And it's not just because he outsnapped Derrick Henry this past week. I don't think that's something that continues all throughout the year or anything like that. But what I was interested in is that he took over every third down. The Titans have been trying to get somebody to take over third downs for a long time. It looks like they might have finally found somebody. So what are you looking at with Tajay Spears? Are you stashing him right now or are you waiting a little bit? I actually do have stashed on a couple of redraft leagues. I was all over him whenever I could get him in uh, in dynasty leagues. Um, listen, he's he's explosive. He's a fun special player. Um, Derrick Henry, we know that he's. I mean, he's an ageless wonder, but he's not ageless. I mean, he, he, he's eventually going to be old enough and expensive enough that they're going to need to move on from him. Want to move on from him? Um, I I love Tajay Spears as a player. He's fun to watch. Um, and he is somebody that I'm stashing because we, I mean, in recent years, we have seen Derrick Henry have some problems and, and, ha- and miss some time with injuries. We have seen it happen. When that happens, to put Tajay Spears, as explosive as he is, into that role, and oh, by the way, then they also can throw him and will throw him the ball if, he, if and when he starts picking up actual early down work as well. He could be a real fun asset to have. So, yeah, if if you've got the roster spot, and like I said, I made the roster spot in a couple of my redraft leagues, uh, I would definitely be stashing Tajay Spears. I think he's awesome as a handcuff. I think that, you know, my preferred way to handcuff is to handcuff other dudes' uh, running backs, not my own. I don't want to bet on my own failure. Uh, I like to take advantage of others. So if you've got the spot for him, grab him. You'll never be the failure, Chase. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> Obviously, starting Keenan Allen, I do want to throw this out there. Right now, Keenan Allen has a 67 and a half receiving yard prop on DraftKings. I love the over on that against Tennessee. He's a top 12 receiver for me this week. So make sure we go ahead and, and, and cash that out because Tennessee looks like the exact same secondary we saw last year if so far through the first week. Got a couple more questions coming in here. Super CNB challengers, Eagles, Broncos, Browns, or Giants defense this week. That's easy. That's the Eagles for me all the way. There's no way I'd ever bench the Eagles defense with what they can do sack wise and turnover wise. Anybody disagree with that? I I'm, might I'm be chasing Arizona. The... Okay, okay, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, no, I, well, that's a good one too, Chase. That's a definitely consideration. I was going to say I might consider looking at the Browns after watch what the 49ers defense did the Pittsburgh's offense and with Deontay Johnson going to be banged up as well. 
Okay. Yeah, no, I don't disagree with that, but I just I find it hard. They're all in my top six. Right, right. What I was going to say, though, too, is that the other options are kind of on the bubble, so they might be more streaming options. The Eagles defense, if you drafted them, I'm not dropping them to stream them for another defense. So that's kind of how I'm looking at that situation, too. Uh, He had another question for us. Should I trade away D-Hop for James Cook and PPR? I already have Diggs, CD, Olave, and almost no running back depth. Uh, I would look for somebody else besides James Cook, especially in PPR, because as we just laid out for you, he wasn't that involved in passing situations. So I'd look for somebody else. That's just me. Anybody else have anything they want to add? I 100% agree. Yeah, okay. Uh, We've got some more questions here. Ray Gamer, David Montgomery versus Seattle or Joshua Kelly versus the Titans. If he starts, standard scoring. Also have Vikings to Lyman out on Thursday. How are you feeling about the Eagles defense over the Bush and the Giants? Uh, Again, I'm still playing the Eagles defense there. Uh, David Montgomery is a borderline top 12 play for me, so I'm going David Montgomery even if Austin Eckler is out over Joshua Kelly. Does anybody disagree with that? I'm going to say real quick, Dan, I definitely agree with that. And the Titans defense is right like it was last year. Like you mentioned, they were number one versus running back position, number 31 versus the passing receivers. So that's great to keep in mind that while we're excited for the opportunity, he gets the backfield put to himself. It's not like it's guaranteed money. You saw James Williams and Jamal Williams struggle with that in New Orleans this past week. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think even, yep, I agree with that, Ray. That's why I'm telling you to play the Eagles defense. Thank you guys for all the comments. Keep them coming in throughout the show. Uh, where was I at? Oh, let's talk about DeAndre Hopkins. He is my wide receiver 22. Stay the course on these guys. You got to play them. Mike Williams, you got to play them. The only guys I'm benching, I'm benching Traylon Burks until we can see Ryan Tano get his act together, but he's not coming off my bench. Uh, and, of course, the tight ends, I don't like Joe Everett, and I'm not big on Jake, although Jake played a lot. I do want to point out, Jake was on the field quite a bit, almost had a bomb, couldn't quite connect. That was the big difference uh, for me in that game. Guys, believe it or not, I'm going to take the Chargers to cover this week at minus three. I know that's a death sentence. I just said that, but they are the better team, in my opinion. Let's head to our next match. <laughs> This is a game that I thank God we have red zone. We have the Bears against the Tampa Bay Bucks. And man, do I not even want to bother watching it. Like It's going to be brutal. We got to talk about Justin Fields, Chase. All right. So the whole idea was that they bring in DJ Moore. He takes the next step up. They even had more volume. They had 37 pass attempts. So it wasn't even a volume problem last week. He just looked like the same crappy Justin Fields who didn't work on any mechanics in the offseason. What do you make of Justin Fields? Is he just going to be the – he's going to be top 10. We know that. We're not debating about whether or not you're starting him. But is it just going to be based on rushing? Is he going to have that extra elite level? Do you think there's some things they can clean up, or is this just who he is? You know, hey, when the pressure's on, he appears to revert to his to his instinct, and his instinct is not necessarily to throw the ball the way, the way we would like to see him throw it. His instinct is more is much more to pull down a run, and when you can run like Justin Fields, hell, I'd be running too. But they, you know, they 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 go out. He had a full off season with Chase Claypool, Darnell Mooney's healthy. Oh yeah, they bring in DJ Moore, and it looked like that was going to be a special special connection for the literally two times we saw it in the preseason, and it can be. Uh, but yeah, you have to be able to tell that guy and he has to be able to get it, get it ingrained that to follow the system, follow the script, follow the play call and, and make the throws when the throws are there to be made. Uh, 
he wasn't facing an all-world defense last week. They played well. They did. Uh, his offensive line is is what his offensive line is going to be, and his weapons around him are who they're going to be. Uh, he, he just he has to be able to to throw the ball with a lot more consistency if he's actually going to truly be the long-term guy there. I think he's a great leader. We know he's a great athlete, a great runner. Fantasy-wise, I'm fine with what he did. Uh, you know, in, in, in if, if he continues to run like he did, but in terms of in terms of the Bears finding their quarterback, he has to eventually be able to utilize those weapons that they have around him. Well, and I'll give him this: they actually need to fire out a way to feature DJ Moore. Him getting two targets in Week One, I know he's blanketed by Jail Alexander, but but still, that's just no. unacceptable. You got to get him schematically open. Here's what shocked me about Fields: just to throw this out there. I never took Fields for a checkdown quarterback. 5.2 air yards per pass attempt last week. That, because they only threw they threw them all to the running backs. I know. I'm, I'm well aware. They threw, I, they I, threw I, six passes, and I was happy as hell about it. But, but it wasn't. It was not what I ever expected out of a Justin Fields. So that's got to change before anything else does. Uh, Adam, help me out with Rashad White. Now, he dominated. He was the bell cow. There's no question about it. Every situation, he was out there, ran the most routes, had 17 carries. He, he he got the volume that you wanted him to get when he drafted him to be an RB2. And I even actually have him ahead of the ECR this week at RB16. They got him at RB19 because I'm looking at the Chicago Bears match. But like, all right, you get that kind of volume. You better do something against Chicago. But if not, I'm a little bit concerned he starts losing some work. What did you make of Rashad White this past week? And what, what's your expectations moving forward? Um, I don't know. I think around the, the 20 ballpark is where he's kind of kind of land. I, I think this is a situation where as a whole, nothing on this offense, I think is going to be particularly efficient. Um, so while I'm not a big Rashad white fan from the, you know, outset, I, I cut him a little bit of slack. Like, you know, Baker Mayfield had decent counting stats was not particularly efficient. Just the offensive line isn't particularly good. So, surprisingly good defense but on the whole i don't know i just think this offense is going to be inefficient on the year uh and and part of that's going to be rashad white getting volume you're going to live in fantasy because of the volume but you're not going to see the games that you like to see that you feel comfortable with he's going to live but it's life support based (laughs) on that volume this team was dead last in the league last year in yards per rushing attempt and they were over a full yard worse than that on sunday yeah they just can't run the ball the offensive line doesn't look like it got any any better uh, with the new play caller either, uh, helping things out. Uh, Khalil Herbert still flex play, but you're a little bit concerned about the three-way committee there that we've had. We're keeping an eye on Roshan Johnson, but we're not playing him just yet. Chris, I wanted to save this for you. Give me your boy. You always love Mike Evans. You had a good game. You had the big touchdown. Baker Mayfield looked like he could be decent enough to at least not completely tank. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. I actually am above ECR this week against Chicago. I got him at wide receiver 21. They got him at wide receiver 25. And my big thing is that, like, okay, Baker showed that he can at least make them relevant. Is there anything else you saw of that game that you liked or maybe even concerned about? When it comes to Baker or when it comes to Mike Evans? When it comes to Evans. I don't care about Baker. Um, I mean, I, I thought overall is what I expected. I think Mike Evans is the alpha in the passing attack. I think Godwin's going to be the guy who can, can use it to do the dirty work, so to speak, between the 20s. Mike Evans is kind of the sexier guy, but he's never been a one-trick pony. People really wanted to push that on him, I think, the last couple of years because Tom Brady used him like that. 
And I don't think that's what he is. And I think what you saw Baker, which was encouraging to me, was utilize him like Mike Williams was utilized in Chargers last year as a guy that can catch those 10, 15-yard passes, doesn't be a bomb or bust. And as a result, you have a guy who can have a floor, and now you're hopefully you actually have a ceiling as well. So I think you have a good receiver, two in your hands, Mike Evans. Yeah, 10 targets, and Chris Godwin, six. That's why ECR still has Godwin number, as the number one receiver on the team. I don't. Again, I'm at 25. Chris, you want me over as far as that goes. I still think, ultimately, they're both boomer bust wide receiver three options because Baker still was not good in this game, and it was not, I guess, a particularly tough matchup either. So something I'm still keeping my eye on there. Maybe, maybe even... Sell high candidates, potentially, especially in Mike Evans's case after that matchup. Uh, DJ Moore, Chase, DJ Moore. So we, we kind of mentioned a little bit, you know, had the two targets, but we got to talk about this guy. I'm still showing faith. I have DJ Moore at 24. ECR is bailing. They got him at wide receiver 34. Like, they're, like they put him down to a flex play. I still think this guy has to get featured. I think they have to correct the wrongs of last week. He only had two targets. They gave up a ton of draft capital to bring him in. He's supposed to be the reason Justin Fields takes the next level. I refuse to believe this turns into another Carolina situation for DJ Moore. What do you think? No, he, he's he's too good to only get two targets a game. Uh, he's going to catch what they throw to him. And like I just brought up and like we saw in the preseason, all he needs is a touch or two. Uh, if you get him even more than that, think of what more the man can do. Give the guy a chance. Get the ball to him like you said. Scheme for the guy. They did a better job scheming for their more down in Cleveland than, than the guys in Chicago did scheming for their more uh, last week. If if they got creative, find some ways to get him open. Make sure he gets the ball. I have no problem with Darnell Mooney getting seven targets in a game either. But if Darnell Mooney's getting seven, DJ Moore should be getting nine or ten. Yep, totally. Especially in a game where you were trailing for the bulk of it. Yeah, totally totally with you. Uh, Look, the good thing is that the Bucs, they allowed Jefferson to get whatever he wanted over the middle, especially in the first half. That bodes well for DJ Moore. They also gave the eighth most fantasy points to wide receivers last year. That bodes well for DJ Moore to get back. He's a wide receiver, too. He's a wide receiver, too. Do not bail on. Don't get rid of him. Good. I'm glad we see that the same way. Uh, We got another uh, question coming in here. QF stops Mike Evans or Zay Flowers this week. I do have Evans ranked ahead of Zay Flowers, again, more in reflection of Mark Andrews playing. If Andrews were to not play and you are in a full-point PPR, I would probably have to go Zay Flowers in that scenario. Anybody have anything different? I have a ranked at 22 and 23 back-to-back. So, yeah, yeah. like you said, I've got Flowers at 23, but if Andrews doesn't play, yeah, I I would feel good playing either room. Right up there, yeah. I like that. Uh, the only other guy I want to comment on, like Darnell Moody, I know he had a good game, but still something I'm not going to trust in Chicago offense, playing and starting my lineups, although you can keep him rostered. I just want to make a quick comment on Cole Komet. He actually had a solid game, especially target-wise. For some reason, ECR hasn't down a tight end 19. I got him at tight end 14. I still think he's the same streaming option. He was one of the few guys that actually got worked in. So I just kind of want to throw that out there. Tampa Bay is favored. Minus three in this game. The over-under is 41 and a half. I am, if I can actually get it here, cashing the under. I think both offenses fluctuate and this winds up being an ugly ugly slobber knocker let's get to our next match we got the chiefs and the jaguars 
please, 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 Travis Kelsey, please play. Because I just want to see an over game. We got one over game last week. I need to see another one. This should be it as long as Travis Kelsey's on the freaking field. Casey is, by the way, favored at minus three. The over-under is at 51. I will take the over if Travis Kelsey plays. If not, then no, because the Chiefs, I don't know if it's just, and Chris, you can help me out here. I, I don't know if it was just because Travis Kelsey had just gotten hurt two days before and they didn't want to throw out the game plan that they put together. But outside of Paxwell Holmes, they look like a mess from how they're using everybody from the receiving group to the backfield. Well, I do think it was a reaction to what they had not had on their offense. They expected to have Charles Kelsey, and they had a lot of things that they were trying to do, window dressing off of that with Kadarius Tony, with the different guys they were trying to make you know, get involved in space. I think this is also what we're seeing just throughout the league in general. You're seeing preseason football, guys, and this is why you know, you're the yards per attempt and everybody's running in taps, and it's hard for me to judge anything after week one because you're literally watching offenses do the basics. They're getting timing down. They're running short patterns because it's the offensive line can't pass protect for shit right now. So everybody's running four-yard patterns, little crossers. They get three yards. They stumble. Nobody gets converts third downs. The team that does gets 200 yards. We're like, woo, look how awesome they are because they had third down conversions. So I just feel like in general, you're just what you're really just suffering from. I have more faith in the Chiefs offense, Dan, in general, I think what we had good signs of, in the sense, is when you look at the rest of the week end, um, what we got from Detroit and the Kansas City might be explosive, high-octane offenses moving forward right now because it actually was you know, statistically a lot better. People were like, what did Gibbs do and how did this guy not do anything? And Patrick Mahomes won his car yards, and we're like, well, that's twice what, you know, three times what Joe Burrow did, so <laughs> – I mean, right now it's exciting football. So I don't think it's going to be too bad in Jacksonville. Oh man. It was, yeah, no, 100% spot on. Uh, Arike here coming in Sanders or Connor for the rest of the season. I'm assuming that's Miles Sanders or James Connor. Guess what? They're both going to crap out in four weeks. So I don't think this matters either way, uh, but I would take, I would take Miles Sanders. Uh, Bryce Young's better than Josh Dobbs. And that's kind of what I'm basing it off of. The offense might move a little bit incrementally better and get a little bit more pass targets are there for Miles Sanders. And that's uh, just, already questionable. We know it's only a matter of time where he gets he's He's hurt. I think it's a good, <laughs> like I said, it's a better crack. offense in Carolina and they're going to run it through Sanders as much as they can, as long as he's healthy. Connor doesn't have to come off the field in Arizona, but that offense is going to be a mess. They're going to be behind. They're going to have to throw, which means the offense won't be going through Connor, even if he's on the field take Sanders. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you guys. Can they just, I know we haven't talked about Arizona yet. Can they just freaking start Clayton Toon? Why am I wasting my time having to watch Josh Dobbs out there? This makes absolutely goddamn no sense. Anyway, um, we're playing Patrick Mahomes. We're playing Trevor Lawrence and we're playing Travis Etienne. Obviously Travis Etienne, by the way, just a quick comment on him dominated workload, especially take bigs. He's a little bit shaky out there. Dominated a big way, not just on the ground, but he dominated the routes run too. Michael Hasty was out. That's what you wanted to see if you took Travis Etienne in there. So that was big. I just want to make that comment. What I want to talk about is Isaiah Pacheco, Adam. So I got him at RB25. ECR's got him at RB20. Now, I might move him closer to ECR now that we've gotten some conversation about Clyde Zolaire not practicing today. Now, he might be banged up. I was ranking him on the idea that this thing is still... I don't want to say a full-blown three-man rotation, but kind of what I feared coming into the season where if Clyde Zolaire was going to be involved just enough to be annoying to both McKinnon and Pacheco. 
you think it's something that they're planning on having doing the entire year or is it just Pacheco because he's coming back from the shoulder, eventually takes this thing over, McKinnon follows suit behind him, and Clyde Edwards gets phased out? I want to say that uh, Clyde Edwards Alaire gets phased out, but I- I'm really struggling uh, to, to <laughs> fully believe that uh, to be the case because Clyde Edwards Alaire, like, it didn't, he didn't look particularly good. Uh, I, I feel like the other backs are more explosive, kind of better at most things. Maybe, uh, you know, CEH is a better receiver than uh, Pacheco, but not McKinnon. So I don't know. I, I struggle with this backfield. I'm, I will play Pacheco if Clyde Edwards Hilaire does not play. Otherwise, I'm staying away for the time being. Yeah, I mean, I can't hate you for that. The, the one thing I did like was that Pacheco got four targets despite not playing passing situations. And they weren't just like four random targets where like Mahomes was running for his life and Pacheco just happened to be in front of him. They actually designed some screens to him. I did like that. Uh, we got a question coming in here. Back again to Rike. Should I do Connor and Judy for Brees Hall? I feel like I'm giving too much. You're not giving enough. Are you kidding me? Like, yeah, if you can get Brees Hall for James Conner and Jerry Judy, pull the trigger and do not hesitate. Judy's got the hamstring going thing going on. And I don't know if you watched the Broncos offensively, but Russell Wilson looks like he still sucks, even with Sean Payton back there. So, yeah, I, I get Brees Hall all the way, baby, especially for, the, for those two. That's the league winner potentially at the end of the year. Anybody disagree with that? Brees Hall's a special player. James Conner and Jerry Judy are professional football players. Yep, uh, yeah, couldn't couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, if Klausler does not play, McKinnon might be on my flex radar in full point PPR. Otherwise, we're keeping him on the bench. All right, Chris, I have, I have to give it back to Chris. It's all about Chris and the wide receivers. I got to let him gloat, guys, a little bit. Let him run a victory lap while he can after they played the freaking Colts who can't guard anybody. Let him go. Fine, Chris. Go ahead. Talk about your boy, Calvin Ridley, who I do have at wide receiver eight, by the way. I even made him a top 10 wide receiver for you. Go ahead. But, but he hasn't played in two years, and he's going to be out of shape, and yeah, how's he going to yeah. get the football shape, and how, how's he going to how, – how will he perform – um, I think all of us agree that Calvin Ridley is the alpha in that passing attack. So therefore you should play him obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was especially evident when uh Kirk Cousins wasn't even out there in two receiver sets. That's what pretty much put the nail in the coffin for my analysis there. Good job, Chris. You got me. Uh speaking of Christian Kirk Chase, I still think this is a guy you can play when they're going to be in high-scoring game scripts like this against Kansas City. In a weird way, I can't, you know, I can't prove this from a, a linear model uh, whatsoever, but I think there actually should be a correlation between Travis Kelsey playing and Christian Kirk playing this week because I think that's going to dictate the Jaguars having to play three receiver sets. I still have him at wide receiver 27. ECR's got him at 31, so I'm still a little bit higher. I still think he gets paid too much money for him to be completely forgotten about in a high-scoring game. I still like him to stretch the seam, especially in this matchup. What say you? Yeah, I I was not encouraged by what I saw. I, and I listen, I was a giant Christian Kirk fan and supporter last season, and I said it coming into this season. That team got laughed at for giving him you know wide receiver one type money, and then he went out and he played up to the contract, and and he was a viable wide receiver one for them. And he's still a talented football player. But they've got, again, I kind of just mentioned it uh, to Enrique there. They have a special player in Calvin Ridley as opposed to a couple of pretty good receivers that they had last year in Zay Jones and and Christian Kirk. Calvin Ridley is the special guy 
Zay Jones got much more run. I think he looks like they want him to remain their wide receiver too. And I think they want to use, they want to, they need to find ways to use Christian Kirk, justify some of that money, continue to justify some of that money they gave him. I think if they can scheme for him, uh, he still can be a useful piece. I think he's still rosterable, but I I've got him down at 42 this week. I just, I, I was not encouraged mm. by what I saw last week. I know they're going to have to throw, but I mean, I, I don't see him as anything more than a right now, a low wide receiver three type or a you know, high wide receiver four, which is where he would, which is where he's at. Go ahead, yeah. Chris. Yeah, look, I, I don't disagree with you strongly, Chase, but what I do disagree with in a sense is just look at the matchup, why Christian Kirk wasn't as involved versus the Colts. Adam is our honorary Colts guy. Who's the best secondary player on it's your Colts secondary in your best corner is your slot corner. Yeah. And the only guy that actually can play, play any football in a secondary. Not only that, the corner. rest of the secondary is either guys who have historically played special teams or first-year guys. It was always going to be that the outside got abused in that game. Yes. So I think that's the key thing to kind of keep in place versus Kansas City has depth in sec- different secondary. Their nickel corner is somebody you can exploit. And we always knew going into the season that Zay Jones was going to play a lot of the two receiver sets because he can block. Christian Kirk does not block. So I'm not worried about necessarily scheming for Christian Kirk. I think it's a matter of who can be the guy you exploit versus the Chiefs. You get one-on-one for Christian Kirk. I We saw what Josh Reynolds was able to do. We saw what St. Brown did in the slot specifically. I think Christian Kirk had a nice solid game this week. All right, so that makes my point for me. Thanks, guys. Uh, Sky Moore, I got him at 48. You can't play Sky Moore. He did play the most snaps out of the receivers. If you want to take a silver lining out of it, he didn't run the most routes. And he uh, but he got zero. He didn't, he didn't <laughs> turn over interceptions. <laughs> Those are all the silver linings you want to look at it. Basically, at the end of the day, what we saw, and again, I think this offense will function a little bit better when Travis Kelsey's actually in it. What we saw is that they're just going to spread the ball around without Travis Kelsey. Now, I do think somebody has to emerge as the second option to Travis Kelsey at some point this season. And as of right now, just based on the playing time, I would still lean towards that being Sky Moore. However, I did like Rashi Rice and how he looked quite a bit, but he only still played 27 snaps. And that's my thing with Andy Reid. I don't know if he gives the rookie the opportunity, which is why I still say it's not Rashi Rice. I don't, I don't even know who to go to. Who wants to jump in here? I'll say flip a coin because it's going to be everybody's different every week until you know somebody establishes themselves. And we need, you need to prepare for the idea that there may not be an alpha to use Chris's term from, from our Jaguars talk. There may not be an alpha in this wide receiver room. There wasn't necessarily an alpha in that room last year, even with Juju Smith Schuster walking around. It, it just may not be that kind of wide receiver room. And it may be the kind of room where again, just like last year, we're going to be fine with Patrick Mahomes. He'll throw it to whoever the hell's on the field. He doesn't care. Uh, and it, it may not be where there's guys that are strong enough to step up like that every single week and know that that's going to be the guy. It may just be a fruit basket upset, throw it to Travis Kelsey and whoever the hell else is open on any given play. Yeah, no, uh, totally. To, it just it, it just drives me insane. Somebody's got, I, I have to think somebody becomes at least Juju. We'll, we'll have to. The question is coming in. AS, uh, 12 team, half point PPR, two keeper guy offered me Godwin and McKinnon for Puka and Joshua Kelly. I guess it's a keeper league. 
And he's got a trade offer between Godwin and McKinnon for Puka and Joshua Kelly. Uh, I'd have to lean towards sticking with Godwin and McKinnon. Cooper Cup's going to be back at some point. That, that's first and foremost. I don't think both of them can eat at that rate. Joshua Kelly's a no-nothing to me, really, in my opinion. McKinnon can be too. But Godwin, even if he gets to move on, I think he's got a brighter future if you're thinking about, like, you know, next year. So I, I, I would probably just stay pat, but that's pretty close. Anybody got a different take? I don't I think it's a trade there. you need yeah. to make. I don't, I, don't, yeah, I, don't see, I don't see enough benefit either direction. It's a keeper. Puka's younger. I guess Kelly's younger ish. I don't know. I like that. It's not a a trade trade you have to make. Stan Pat. Yep. Uh, Joffrey plays pick two. Marquise Brown, Van Jefferson, Sky Moore, Allen Robinson, Kendrick Bourne, Brandon Cooks. Blah. (laughs) (laughs) That's an awful pick there, buddy. Uh, If I had a pick two, it would be Marquise Brown and it would be uh, Kendrick Bourne for me this week, but I don't feel great about it. Those are the two that jumped in my mind as well. Uh, Brandon Cooks Brandon jumping in on the head Cooks report is, is what concerns me there. Yeah. Uh, I'm not worried about his usage last week at all. That was a fluke game. They were up 16 to nothing before the Cowboys even had the ball. But, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Reports concerning. And then this is AS giving us his roster. Keeper aspects are relevant. I agree. Wouldn't be keeping yeah. either. I am the Puka owner. Um, your Puka owner didn't don't do the trade either. Like I, I, yeah. I don't. Either way, I would not do that trade. It, 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 either way, you were looking at it. So we'll just we'll just keep it there. Uh, let's move to. Say that again, Chris. I said I'm just a little bit different. I'd pull the trigger for Godwin just because I think he's more talented than all the guys involved in the names you talked about. Okay, uh, that's that's fair too. Uh, let's head to our next match. <laughs> Because obviously we're starting Kelsey and Evan Ingram. Let's talk about the Colts and the Houston Texans. Another game, I thank God, for Red Zone every day. Adam, let's talk about your Anthony Richardson, though. He had a really good week. I have as a QB9 this week. Now, Houston is so weird with Houston. They actually destroy quarterbacks from a fantasy perspective. They did it against Lamar Jackson last week. They were third least in fantasy points allowed the quarterback last year. Like, it's just, it feels like it's always skewed because they're so bad against running backs, but yet they still manage to give you these disappointing performances. So is Anthony Richardson your top 10 this week? Yeah, I would say so. I think he showed me, uh, and Steichen showed me uh, a lot of what I was concerned about is not necessarily as big of a deal as I would have previously guessed. There's still definitely question marks around Anthony Richardson and his ability to process. Um, But my by far largest concern, he was abysmal at Florida at throwing the underneath pass, and he did a pretty good job of it uh, this past week at at checking it down and recognizing, you know, a just get the ball out. Um, he did a great job of that. He did a great job of putting his receivers in positions to just make the plays themselves. He doesn't need to make it. Um, so, so I was definitely impressed. Uh, there are things that could be exploited. Uh, they ran a lot of pistol. They ran a lot of it to the right side specifically. A lot of that was just to keep things simple for Richardson. I think he'll grow out of it. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, I, I think he's a top 10 option. Uh, he ran really strong. Uh, and he had a good game despite not going deep, and that's like the one thing that we thought he could actually do at an NFL level. 
Yeah, I'll say this. I'll just throw Michael Pittman in here now. Uh, the one thing that made me happy was that between him and Shane Sykin, I actually believe they can get the ball to at least their one option. <laughs> and Michael Pittman, they showed that. He's good enough for that. And Sykin's good enough to get him featured. So that at least made me happy where Michael Pittman is actually a top 24 receiver for me this week against Houston because of that. There's only one other option to go to. Uh, AS came back, so he was also offered Eckler for Cooper, Mari Cooper, and Cooper Cup. I would not do that deal uh not for those not i would not give up i would not give up those two receivers for austin eckler i also ads just to answer your earlier question i would not do the trade it doesn't help you majorly chris does like godwin so if you like godwin that much more maybe you do it but it doesn't help you majorly enough uh and when you have i can't pronounce that yobu yoki yaki i don't even know i'm getting andrews and alexander madison for waddle and gibson do i accept uh, yes, 100%. You pulled the trigger. You get the you get the tight end, who's top two tight end. You get a good running back, some improvement over Gibson. I do love Waddle, but I'm going to take that advantage of tight end. Does anybody disagree with that? That's tough. That's a tough yeah, one. Not, I'm not looking to trade John, for John Waddle right there. That's a tough one. I'd have to I see, see the rest like of the roster more. probably, but yeah, it's a t- that's a hard call. But but your your point. If Andrews is playing again, he gives you an advantage at at the position that Waddle and Gibson don't necessarily give you at the position. So, yeah, depending ten, on the rest of your look, roster, tend to look there. Uh, Pierce will be a low end RB two this week against the Colts, who can't stop anybody. Zach Moss. This is another one where I think the ECR is going to catch up with the news getting updated. It looks like he's mm-hmm. going to play. Deion Jackson was freaking terrible. So I actually have Zach Moss's RB38 just outside my flex territory. I literally cannot physically force myself to put Zach Moss in my top 36. I just, uh, uh, I just can't. I know it's Houston. I can't do it. Chris, what do you think? Help me out here. Am I being too harsh? No, no I'm with you 100%. Look, it's Houston, but look what the Ravens actually did versus the running, running attack last week. They didn't run the ball specifically well. They scored touchdowns with the running backs. That's why the numbers look so skewed against the Houston team because they had three rushing touchdowns. I think that's what you're going to be banking on. You're not going to get a lot of yards per carry. You're not going to get a lot of big plays. So I'm with you, Dan. I think Zach Moss isn't anything special. And when Brandon Smith's banged up right now, Quentin Nelson's banged up right now, if those guys are going to be out, this Colts offense did not look good to me. I, I know Adam's more highest guy and excited, but you – know, Richardson had 40 yards rushing. They committed to running the ball. He had 40. Jackson had, what, 18? And that's all you could do running the ball. I'm not excited about any kind of running the backs in this backfield right now at all. It was not Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, I tend to be with you. Just get back to our previous question. He said it's for a wide receiver, tight end, flex spot. In that case, no, I would not do the deal. I would hang on to Jalen Waddle, much higher upside on a week-to-week basis. That changes everything. Uh, let's uh, get a quick note on Tank Dell. Noah Brown did go to the IR today. That should lead to more snaps. Tank Dell is on my waiver wire radar. I'm not playing Dalton Schultz or Kylan Granson this week. Schultz actually has an injury. Didn't see exactly what it was. We'll have to keep our eye on that. This game is Colts uh, minus yes, Colts minus one, and the over under at 39 and a half. Colts resident Colts fan, do you have a do you have a preference here? A pick here. I do think the Colts should win win this. They look to me a lot better than the Texans. Uh, that's not saying much positive about the Colts. I think that's saying a lot more negative about how I feel about the Texans. Um, yeah, 
I don't know if I would necessarily bet on it, but I, I, I do think that they should be the, the favorite team here. This team, the 39 could easily go under. <laughs> we're on 39 and a half. We're on the under. That's already given. Chris, what are you going to say? I said this game's going to go over time. Can't you just feel it? I'm trying to remember who the Colts played last year where it took them like four overtimes to win. Like what was it, six to three or something, I think. Was it, it was. the Bronco game? Uh, I, I can't remember what game it was. It was, but it was a horrible, horrible it was week two or three for the Colts. And it was like, why is this even football? But it was like four quarters after <laughs> time. And they were still like excited for Matt Ryan to get the 200 yard passing finally. Like, yes, Matt Ryan gets 200 yards passing. Look what the offense did. And I feel like this screams that kind of game. I feel like it just screams that kind of game. God, I hope not. For you, Adam, I am going to lock the Colts in at minus one, though. Let's go to our next match. <laughs> We have the glorious, the greatest, the future Super Bowl champion 49ers taking on the Los Angeles Rams this week. Uh, look, the game line, by the way, San Francisco minus eight over under a 44 and a half. I think the over under is about right. And San Francisco minus eight, I think is about right. I don't think they're going to drop the ball the way the Seattle Seahawks did last week. Plus, San Francisco has always owned the Rams, not just on the field, but in the spread as well. That's always been a thing. So I'm going to lock in San Fran at minus eight. It looked fantastic. I was at that game, by the way. And it's, you know what, guys? If you haven't been to a football game or you haven't been in a while, don't try to get the expensive seats down, down by the field. Get it up in the upper echelon where we were in the nosebleeds because you actually get to see the plays develop. It was, it was a really, it was a fun time. Speaking of Brock Purdy or the <clears throat> future Tom Brady, uh, he's coming <laughs> in my QB 15. <laughs> I had to get that in there. He is my QB 15. He is a streaming option in my book, mostly because they have the Rams this week, Giants next mm. week, and the Cardinals the week after that. If you had Aaron Rodgers, you took a quarterback late and you got screwed, you're looking for options, I think he can be a viable option from that standpoint. Easily, easily could have two touchdowns in each of those matchups. That's what he's been doing. I don't see why that would change. Does anybody have a problem with him being a QB 15? No, I've no. got him at 13, so. Yeah. I don't see you. You're I more like him. I like him this week. I like Chase him. really thinks he's the next Tom Brady. I like it. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> Unless you're talking about the next guy is going to retire and move on and marry models maybe. But no, but 13, oh. I like him, Matt. He's got too got many it. weapons around it. him. Well, yeah, that's it. And with those good matchups, too. Uh, our, our boy, I'm just going to call him Kaye at the last, uh, has Stevenson, Dylan, Gibson, pending trade, and Algier. So I guess running back is weak. That's why the trade was offered. Yeah, yeah that's probably why the trade was offered. But again, even if you're offered the trade, don't feel compelled to take it. Never put yourself in a situation to not maximize your points. And in that situation, you're not maximizing your points. So that's why we're telling you not to do it. Uh, Matthew Stafford, we're not going to play him this week against the Rams. Obviously, we're playing Christian McCaffrey. I do want to talk about Kyron Williams and Cam Akers and the fiasco that was the Rams' backfield last week. <laughs> Chase, I'm going to have you take this one away, man. Once again, the second year in a row, Cam Akers is supposed to be the guy. He's going to be a top 24 running back. He's supposed to be the lead guy. He doesn't have much competition. And we walk into week one, and he's the backup. And not That's just the backup. That's what I'm saying. You're like, what is going on, man? Go ahead. Take it away. Just picture it. Sicily, September of 2022. 
Now, probably nobody was playing fantasy football, but if they were, they were checking out their, their iPhone 13s and they were going to look at the results from week one. They were going to see that Daryl Henderson took 82% of the offensive snaps for, for the running back position there. Cam Akers didn't do jackass squat. Got, got out snapped horribly. And yeah, Henderson, meanwhile, was running the ball 13 times. He caught five, five all five of his targets. It looked all of a sudden everybody's running out. Oh, shit, we got to go get Daryl Henderson off the waiver wire, or we've got to elevate Daryl Henderson from the RB5 that we drafted him as. And then, you know, three weeks later, Daryl Henderson is literally out on his ass uh, and hasn't been seen since. He showed up in Florida for all of 15 minutes and then left. Uh, Listen, don't put any, don't try to read into what the hell happened last week in terms of like, oh, this is definitely the future now of the Los Angeles Rams backfield. Look at the, I mean, Cam Akers over the last month of last year was just, he was just too good. He's over five yards a carry. He caught nine out of 10 targets. He looked like, he looked like a running back that they, that, that they should be using. Now, Kyron Williams is, is talented. I'm not saying there shouldn't be or won't be a role for him here, but don't be panic bailing on Cam Akers because we've we've literally seen this before. We literally just saw it 12 months ago. So just calm down, have some dip, maybe temper your expectations for Cam Akers for for a little bit here, but don't be panic bailing. If if anything, if you can get somebody to sell him to you for a good cheap deal. Yeah, if you're needy in the running back room and somebody will give them to you for cheaper than than what you think you should have paid for him or what you would have paid for him, you know, draft capital wise, it's worth a look. Because listen, this running this this offense is going to have to get points wherever they can get the points, and Cam Akers is a source of points for this offense. They're going to use him eventually. Everybody, calm down. I'm not all that excited about him necessarily right now. Like I said, you may have to temper your expectations. I've got him as a flex play at best right now. Chris yeah, I'm referred to this earlier. Uh, he played 28 snaps and they gave him 22 carries. He was not put in a position to succeed. It was Chris, like exactly what you said. They telegraphed to everyone in the stadium. Oh, Akers right. is in. It's a run play. He was just not put in a, a position to succeed. Like that's the entire thing. Yeah. Isaac, by the way, yes, yeah. we are answering questions. So if you have it, go ahead and fire away. Here's that's exactly why I'm not dropping Cam Akers, but I do buy in the idea that Kyron's starting running back because it, Cam Akers wasn't getting his carries until that game was well in hand. And he double doubled his snap account against him and also was always out there when it was a passing situation. Now it didn't amount much to targets because for some reason the Rams and since Scott Todd Gurley have not thrown the freaking ball to a running back. I'll never understand why. Uh, but this is something I buy into where Kyron is at my RB 36. So therefore teetering flex play over Cam Akers. And I think he has to be ranked ahead of Cam Akers right now. I don't want to play either one against San Francisco this week. this week though, if I can at all help it. Yeah, no, I, uh, let's talk way. about Brandon Ayuk and Debo. Let's talk about Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. Uh, Ayuk, I have him one spot ahead at wide receiver 18. Compared to the ECR, he's got him at wide receiver 15. And I have Debo at 19, which lines up with the ECR right there. Some people want to push Brandon Ayuk all into the top 10 already. And I said, hold on, hold on slow down. Again, as somebody who's at the game, Brandon Ayuk was phenomenal. He was he was open all the time. But there was a couple of plays where Debo came wide open across the middle. The play was just designed to go elsewhere. And I think Debo would have a bigger stat line had Purdy held on to a half a second and made that extra read, too. 
both these guys were involved almost the same clip. Debo had four more routes run, only two less targets, same opportunities because he had the two carries. So they both had eight opportunities in this game. And Brandon Ayuk was just phenomenal. We've seen Ayuk go off in the past, and then we'll have one week where it's all of a sudden it's back to Debo Samuel again. I love it. If Ayuk can keep this up consistently, I think he's hit the point in his career where he should be able to do that. But Debo Samuel is still going to be involved. So I'm not going to push Ayuk into my top 10 as a result of that and have this wide gap between the two. Chris, do you see this any differently? I kind of do. I think Brandon Ayuk deserves to be near top 12 at least. Um, and I think that he's established that over the, since the end of last year. Um, you saw him be Brock Purdy's preferred target. I know you talked about the targets and different routes run for Debo Samuel. What I see the eye test is Brandon Ayuk is a receiver who gets open consistently, can make big plays, while they, they kind of create opportunities for Debo Samuel to be involved. Even stuff that's play calls and the reads. Is Brandon Ayuk's one of the guys he looks for. It's usually for Ayuk in the outside, or he looks for the Kittle or somebody in the inside to check down. I don't see Debo being the primary read in a lot of the things, especially down the field. So I think, to me, Ayuk's a guy who he loves explosiveness, he loves the route running, and he loves the connection with Brock Purdy since he's been the quarterback. So I, for me, Brandon Ayuk's a, 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 definitely a nice play this week. Um, and versus Seattle defense, it's getting kind of, you know, got a lot of build up for what they were able to, well, I shouldn't say what they did, but what they were able to kind of be exploited. I think this is a Rams team that you can definitely exploit the secondary. And I think that what we saw last week is not going to hold water against 49ers offense. You no, talked about I, their I, opportunities. You talked about their opportunities in the game. Last year, Debo had 20 more opportunities on the season than Ayuk did, and Ayuk still outscored him by almost 60 points. Debo, aver- De- listen, 2021 was so much fun to watch. Debo's an electric player with the ball in his hands. I love that. But the way that he's used and the points in- that he's going to get off of his opportunities, he's going to get he's going to get 1.25 points per opportunity. That's what he's going to do. Last year, Ayuk had almost two points per opportunity last week. He had four. Ayuk, Ayuk is just, he's, he's going to do more with the targets that he has on a consistent basis. I think he's the, he's taken over as the number one receiver on this team. No question. Debo is a fun, fun player, but he's just, he's not going, he's not returning the value that we had to take him at in drafts. And I'm 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 out on Debo in terms of in terms of seeing him as any kind of elite or must-have plug start option. Whereas Ayuk, like you just said, Chris, I see as a borderline wide receiver one play. I have him as a high, high wide receiver two. I think Ayuk is a guy that I want in my line. If I own him, I want him in my lineup every single week. Yeah, and I don't disagree with that part. I think you want both these guys in your lineup every single week. Debo's a wide receiver, too, and he was drafted as a wide receiver, too, this year. So I don't think the ADP on that, what we saw in the week one, I don't think that that goes against what you drafted him as value-wise. And let's not forget last year, Debo had the fat suit on. This is a different in shape Debo, too. <laughs> That's just where I think it's going to be a little bit different from that sense. Uh, we got some questions piling up here. Isaac, first time playing fantasy. He has Pat Furmuth and Cole Komet. He's, there's Hayden Hurst and Luke Musgrave out there. There's Hunter Henry he can claim. Basically, he's trying to figure out what to do at his tight end position. If you just want somebody for this week, I do have Hunter Henry ranked ahead of all of these guys that we're talking about for this week. But I still like Pat Fryermuth when it comes to season long, especially with the injury to Deontay Johnson, because I think his volume will take a hit up. What do you guys think? Yeah, I tend to agree. I mean, I think this isn't a huge choice. I think you can kind of ride with what you have right now. I think Farmuth was definitely the guy you keep. 
Now maybe you can move on from Cole Clement. Maybe look for an upside in a Musgrave or look for somebody more consistent. Um, but I think you can probably hold, you know, what you have and just be just as content with that as well. Uh, Steven, what's up, fellas? Had an offer. I gave away Gibbs and I get Walker and Mike Evans. What do you think? Why am I drawing a blank? Kenneth Walker. I was drawing a blank on who Walker was going to be. We're sure that's um, Mike Evans. <laughs> I'm going to assume Chris it's Mike Evans. Evans. I would hope. <laughs> um, I would pro- I would do that deal. I think that's a fair yeah. two-for-one deal, especially in a half-point PPR. I think Gibbs' maximized value is a full-point PPR. So I like Kenneth Walker. He's the lead back. I like Mike Evans there. I would, I would probably do that deal myself. Ten to agree? Okay, cool. Well, let's move on here because I want to talk about Puka Nakua before we move off of this matchup real quick. Is that sustainable, what we saw? Is Puka Nakua the next Cooper Cup? Is there really even such a thing as a Cooper Cup? Or is this just a Sean McVay offense and how they scheme it up? <laughs> Adam, what do you think, man? He's not the next Cooper Cup, but he is really good. And I think first and foremost, more than anything else, Sean McVay had some really good scheme stuff. I think that uh, applied to Tutu Atwell more than anyone else. I thought the way that he got him open was really Really smart from Sean McVay. Uh, But I think more than any of that is that this is the Stafford that won the Super Bowl, and this is not the Stafford from last year. This was a very, very sharp Matthew Stafford. Some of, I mean, like, again, this is Super Bowl-level Matthew Stafford. Uh, I was really impressed by everything I saw from him, Um, and I think that's a big part of it. Him throwing to Puka, I I think, I do think – not to this degree. He's not going to be getting 15 targets a week. Uh, but I do think him being a name that we're going to get used to in the fantasy sphere uh, is a real thing. I, to me, he reminded me almost of when Galladay came in young. Uh, he played really, really physical. Obviously, he's a little bit more inside than Galladay was. But just from a physical receiver that Stafford can gun it to and can take the hits over the middle, I do think Puka is that. I don't think I he's my- the next Cooper Cup, but he could be the next. He could be the next 2020 Robert Woods in that offense. I like that. That's when Cooper Cup comes back, we've seen the number two. We saw what Odell Beckham did when they brought him in. We have seen the number two receiver in this offense be a good fantasy, not just usable, a good fantasy piece. Puka can be that. I agree 100% because I need somebody to be that. It's not Van Jefferson. It's not Tutu Atwell. I do think it would be Puka Nakua. I do have him at wide receiver 36 this week. So back in wide receiver three flex play against a tough match against San Francisco. Uh, but he probably would still crack my lineup. Uh, George Kittle, you got to play him, even though he's not 100%. I got him at tight end seven. Tyler Higby, I don't know why ECR has him at tight end 14. Like he's a bubble start this week. I got him at tight end 20. Give me one game where he did anything at San Francisco, and I'll, I'll give you that. No way. Uh, let's go to our next match. <laughs> Talk about teams that need to bounce back. We got the Giants taking on the Cardinals out there in Arizona. The line for this game, I have to double check to make sure this line didn't move. It did move. So I locked this game in actually earlier in the week at minus four for the Giants. I love that. But still, they're at minus five and a half. And I'm still going to take the Giants to cover that this week against the Arizona Cardinals. That's one of my lock them in games for the week. The over under is at the 40 and a half mark. Daniel Jones is my QB 11 this week. He's a top 12 quarterback for me. Put what happened against Dallas out of your mind. I had to preach this to the choir because uh, uh, when I say the choir, I mean Chris because he's been on the same page <laughs> forever uh, about this last year, all throughout the offseason. 
When he plays a 20th or worse defense against a quarterback, he does well. He has top 12 performances. If he plays against a defense that's worth a damn, he's going to shit the bed. That's exactly what we saw against Dallas. It's no different this year. I don't know why people expect it to be anything different. You're playing against the Arizona Cardinals. They are a 20th or worse defense. Daniel Jones will have a top 12 performance, I believe. Does anybody disagree with that? He'll pass better, and he still ran well last week. I mean, he ran well. He ran enough anyway. He got you running yards last week. Yeah, I your your point is completely valid, and I'm a big Daniel Jones guy. So, Chris, you look like you're about to disagree there. I was going to say top twelve because everybody's going to have like 112 yards passing again. Because well, yeah, sure, why impossible. not? <laughs> <laughs> well, we love those 112 yard passing games. What 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 you mean? What you mean? Uh, here we go. Also, super newbie question. There's no such thing as a newbie question, Isaac. Fire him away. Waddle, Aaron Jones, Pat Farmouth are all questionable. When will I know if they start? When will I know if they are starting or not so I can switch them out? So you want to pay attention. First of all, you want to tune in tomorrow night at 930 when we have Brian Scott, of the Injury List podcast, come on to talk about all these injuries and what we expect to have them uh, be active for and what we can expect their performances to be. Uh, number two, you want to pay attention to the Friday injury reports. And then, of course, in the case of Pat Fryermuth, where that's a Monday night game, you, you have to make sure you have a backup option to pivot off of if need be. What I will say with all these guys is Waddle, Fryermuth are expected to play. Aaron Jones, we don't know yet, but we will know by Friday. Uh, so good question there by Isaac. For uh, also, hey, Isaac, if, you, if you're if you literally that new to, to fantasy football, which, hey, welcome in. Great. We're happy to have you because it's a, it's a great game, and I think you're going to have a, a real fun time for a long time here. But depending on which platform you're playing on, depending on which site is hosting your league, you may or may not literally get – push notifications based on who's on your roster. If anything changes that drastically with their playing status. So, you know, it, 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 it's kind of one of those things where everything, everything that Dan just said, yeah, follow all of that kind of stuff, because that's going to give you the, the, the best way to keep on top of things. But depending on the platform that you use too, make sure you've got your notifications turned on and, and then that you're getting those kinds of updates because a lot of the sites will tell you immediately if your guy is ruled out or not and you have yeah. it in your lineup. 100%. Uh, Supreme Steve, I've got Cole Komet, but with Laporta and Musgrave available, who do I go with? I have Laporta as my top 12 tight end this week, so I actually am going Sam Laporta. He looks like yep. the third pass-catching option on that team, maybe even second. Who knows? It's a good matchup, a high over-under against Seattle Seahawks, who were terrible against tight ends last year. Uh, I know they had a, a Higby put up a disappointing performance, but that game strip got kind of wild. So I would go Laporta this week. I have no problem dropping Cole Komet in a regular redraft league. Anybody disagree with that? I'd like Musgrave, personally. You go Musgrave. Okay. I have Musgrave one spot ahead of Cole Komet. So I would go Musgrave instead of Komet, but I would not go Musgrave over Sam Laporta this week. The one argument, Chris, I'd give you is if if Watson doesn't play again, then I could see the – and Aaron Jones doesn't play, then I could see the Musgrave thing. If they do play, then I would say Laporta. Does that sum up what you're going to say? I was going to say, yeah, with the injury situation, with not sure where Dobbs is, how healthy he's going to be, will he still be on a full snaps? Musgrave is somebody they've been game planning all offseason to involve, and he's going to continue to be somebody they're going to look to involve. Yeah, totally agree. All right, let's get back to our game here. Uh, Barkley, expect him to bounce back this week. James Conner is the ho-hum running back to volume you're always going to see, so you got to keep plugging him out there. Got him at 22 this week. 
Marquise Brown is just another guy from like Adam, dude. Like, I, I like your talent, but dude, with Josh Jobs, a quarterback, you're killing. Just play Clay Toon. Just play Clay Toon, Arizona. For, actually, you know what? Where's my stupid job? You know, you. This guy. Hey, this guy needs to play Clayton Toon. I am so sick and tired <laughs> of this Good. guy. The pum 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 pum. I don't know who anybody freaking is. Yeah. Oh, it pisses me off so bad. Because now Marquise Brown, you can't drop him, but I can't use him either. Yeah, I, I think it's a tough situation. And look, I'll, I'll give them credit. They really tried to get him the ball right. They were giving it to him in the backfield. They were trying to get Rondell Moore in the backfield. They are like, all right, we can't throw the ball to any of you. So just take turns running the ball. Um, so, so they know that it's important to get Marquise Brown the ball. And I think that bodes well to an extent. But to your point, it, it's just going to be a struggle for these guys as long as Dobbs is the quarterback. And I don't think Clayton Toon really makes it too much better is it an improvement over joshua dobbs yes uh but i don't think it's like a, enough of an improvement to feel super comfortable about these guys either at least he would give him rpo action just something oh, else offensively to, to work off of uh i don't even remember what else i was gonna say here but yeah Adam, real quick, i was gonna yeah, say again i talk about the creativity quote unquote that arizona tried to use well, that he's on the ball have you seen a team be less creative and more predictable with how they try to involve people? Because that was like, it was horrendous. It was like, oh, look, we're going to use this guy in motion. I wonder who's going to get the jet sweep in this action. I mean, it yeah. was like watching Jason Garrett come back out of the fucking tomb and the Giants. And oh, I don't think it was creativity. I literally think it was, I need this player to get the ball. I cannot throw them the ball. This is well, you you weren't explaining to me why they had to get the ball to Zach Ertz, who had 10 freaking targets. Why is he even playing over Trey McBride? What are you doing, Arizona? Why are we wasting time? They're setting him up for a trade. They got they want to get they got they need they've got Trey McBride. They can get something for Zach Ertz. If they can they can ship him off. It, it there they did it themselves two two years ago when they brought him in. But to your point about playing Clayton Toon versus Josh Dobbs, listen. You're an NFL franchise and you've got a quarterback asset that you can basically be trying out for free. You have, you have nothing to lose because you are going to lose everything anyway. Why would you not see what you have in Clayton tune and see if you've got any kind of asset there for the foreseeable future, whether or not he becomes your guy, you're not looking at him to see if he's going to be your guy forever. Your guy is the guy you're going to take with the first or second pick or maybe both next year who the hell knows the way they operate but put tune in see what you have and because we everybody in the league already knows what josh dobbs is which that's why he was available to you yeah but you don't know what clayton tune is huh you're making it too easy jonathan gannon didn't know how to play man with darius slay they had explained to him that let the Eagle defense do what it does best. They have Fletcher Cox eating blocks. I like so I have. He's a coach who has no clue what the rest of everybody else sees with their eyes. So I wouldn't – I think you're asking too much, not just from, you know, thinking for the franchise. You're asking a coach to actually do something smart. Yeah, we'll, we'll have plenty. Of, we'll have plenty of opportunities to keep bashing on Jonathan Cannon and, and the and the Col- and, and uh, uh, the Cardinals. Excuse me, uh, sixteen one, more weeks. So yeah, weeks. One, uh, one quick note on Darren Waller. He's my third tight end. I expect him to bounce back. He did 
comment on his hamstring injury. He said it is the same hamstring to put him on the IR last year. However, this time around, it's more about a pinched nerve than it is a muscular injury. So something just to kind of keep in mind. Sounds like it's a different thing. We expect Darren Waller to be okay for this week. Fantasy 101. So you trade Amari Cooper and Tyler Algier for Cooper Cup. He has Adams and St. Brown for his wide receivers to get Cooper Cup. That's Jefferson. Is Jay Jennings is, is Jefferson. Okay, thank you. I was I was having trouble reading that. Um, He's fucking stabbed. Yeah. Uh, pull that Cooper trigger, man. For pull that trigger. Back. Yeah, pull, pull the trigger, buddy. Pull the trigger. Just just say the hell with it, and you're going to you're going to put up like 150 points between your wide receivers uh, every <laughs> single week. You get that stack up. So yeah, go ahead, buddy. Fantasy one on one. Pull the trigger. Uh, let's get into our next matchup. <laughs> Oh, the Jets. Oh, the poor Jets. They tried so hard. Chris, you and I talked about it. It's the Jets. They're going to find a way to screw it up, right? But this, this, this wasn't really their fault. Like, this is just this is just bad luck at this point. Like, I don't even know what else to call it. Four snaps in, he blows his Achilles. Like, oh, man, dude. The, the fact that they man. won that, I got to give a lot of credit to the defense, to Robert Salah. The fact that they won that game is a miracle. Because not only do you have all the air go out of that building, but then you had to watch Zach Wilson look exactly like the same freaking scrub he's been since he's been entering the league, play throughout the rest of that game, and still win that game. <sighs> yeah, we're going to have a lot to get, get into uh, in this matchup. First of all, Dallas favored minus 7.5. We are going to go ahead and hit that. Because uh, I don't expect much Jets to be able to score. 42 over under. We're going to hit the under on that. Because, again, I don't expect many points to be scored. Two really good defenses. Not going to be much pressure on Dallas to put up a ton of points. I do want to talk about Dak Prescott real quick. Is Dak Prescott done as a fantasy football quarterback, Adam? No, I don't think so. I think, again, it was just a, a weird, fluky matchup where he didn't have to do anything <laughs> to get this <laughs> to impact this game. He like Cole McCoy could have won that game for Dallas. And it, it just didn't really matter what he did. So I don't know. I, I, I just, to be fair, I think this could end up being a situation where if you do have Dak as your starter, you might be looking at a rough start of the start to the season. Cause this could be a lot of the same where they just win 21, nothing. And that's that. I wouldn't, I mean, would anyone be that shocked if that no. was the case either? So it, it definitely could be a, a slow start for him, but I, I think over the course of the season, he's going to be a, a pretty viable quarterback. It, it's it's why I have a QB 16 this week. I would find other options besides Dak Prescott to play. And it's not just that he didn't have to do anything. Is it 24 pass attempts, but only just over 50% completion percentage? Like, he didn't look good. Yes, he didn't have to do much, but he didn't look good either. And I think that's the part that I kind of struggle with, plus the game script in this game. So I would look for other options besides Dak Prescott. Uh, let's talk about the good on the Jets first. Let's talk about Brees Hall. I do have him as an RB24. Now, the matchup's kind of gross. I felt a little queasy about pumping him up this high. But Dalvin sucks. I'm sorry. He looks bad. He looked like he didn't want to get hit. There was a particular third and one play that stuck out to me when I was watching that game where it was on him to pick up the one yard, and he looked like he had no interest in lowering his shoulder whatsoever to get the power. He wasn't making. He wasn't looking up. Like He wasn't using his vision at all. It was where the hole was supposed to be. If it wasn't there, he wasn't making cuts to make things happen like he normally did in the past. He looked bad. Bad. And Brees Hall, who is clearly not 100% yet, looked great. And I think 
sooner rather than later, they're just going to have to lean more and more on Brees Hall, and he's a special player. So I am going to play Brees Hall against Dallas, even though I'm not expecting high things, but a guy who's 4.8 yards even after, even if you take away the 83-yard rush, I was pretty impressed with him. Uh, Chris, what do you think? Yeah, I probably take the chance of playing him. Um, I do like what I saw a lot last week. I do think the matchup's nothing to be scared of either. My only concern is we saw something with J.K. JK Dobbins last year when he had that first game back. He looked really good, had over the 100 yards. Second game, his knee swelled up a little bit and did nothing. So he's kind of kind of curious with Brees Hall, can he bounce back? As for a Cook, I think what you saw basically, Dan, was once Aaron Rodgers went down, what's that what Cook's like, what am I here for right now? I'm out of here as fast as possible. exactly the same thought. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. No, it could be valid. It could be valid. Uh, CeeDee Lamb, you have to play him. Uh, Garrett Wilson, let's talk about him. This uh, I got my wide receiver 17. His talent prevents me from making him much lower than that, although I – I may just move him down a few spots anyway because I don't know what this passing game is going to do. My question for you guys isn't about necessarily playing Garrett Wilson or not this week. My question for you, Chase, is are you going to keep Garrett Wilson? Are you going to ride this route? Or are you going to try to trade him being that he had a touchdown on Monday and maybe he has some value to salvage? Do you remember long, 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 long time ago when Chris said he believes in talent winning out? Garrett Wilson is, is just too good. He was he was a good receiver. He was the, he was the offensive rookie of the year last year with the four of us basically tossing passes around in, in the middle that, that, that he doesn't need great quarterback play to still be a good and fantasy usable wide receiver. If anything run out there for everybody who's, who's panicking and buy the dip on this dude, you can probably get him for pennies on the dollar right now. And at worst, you're getting yourself a wide receiver too, who, you know, on any given week can go off. He was the offensive rookie of the year last year, Thanks in large part to the fact that his teammate got a blown ass knee two months into the season. But he's too talented. Hang on to him. Keep the faith with him, regardless of what happens at quarterback. And honestly, it may not be Zach Wilson throwing him passes all damn dear either. So I, I am I am still all in on Garrett Wilson. He's too damn good. That's the part right there that I agree with you. I don't think Zach Wilson's going to be the one throwing him passes all year, and I think that's I think that's going to be a big key. Asking for a friend, though, uh, would you guys trade Garrett <laughs> Wilson for Chris Olave? I wouldn't. Uh, that's it's rough. It's rough. Close though, right? Nah, it's very close. It. It, yeah, it, it's it. it's yeah, it's definitely not a. It, you don't dismiss that out of hand either way. But uh, let's get to our questions here. Will uh, uh, Will Ostrowski, uh, Wilson for Cup. I have Chase, Eckler, Pollard, and Olave in a 10-man league. So Garrett Wilson for Cooper Cup. That's actually a really good question, especially since we don't really have all the details on Cooper Cup and what his outlook's really going to be. What do you guys think? Yeah, I wish we had more information on the cup. Yeah, that, I, would, I probably wouldn't more. pull that trigger. I probably would not pull that trigger. You don't know what's going on with cup. He's at least four games. Depending if I mean if your team's so stacked, you expect to be three and zero, you know, by next week, then maybe you pull that trigger. Otherwise, you're trying to win week to week right now, and you don't really get a huge upgrade from Wilson the cup that you can bank on yet. Yeah, great. Uh, Richard Hernandez, welcome back. He's one of our regulars. Uh, can only keep three. Can only keep three running backs. Currently have Rashad White, James Cook, Jameer Gibbs. Najee was just dropped and is available. To, what is this, a six-man league? Najee <laughs> <laughs> was just what dropped. You in? And I it's available tomorrow. Yes. Should I attempt to get Najee yes. and drop Rashad White? Yes. 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 
No, what you should do is drop James. I would actually drop James Cook before I would drop Rashad White myself to go get Najee, but I would drop one of those two. Chase, which one would you drop? Would you drop Rashad White? I'm dropping White. James Cook is on the better offense. We're not happy about either White or Cook, but Cook is on the better offense. It's got way less of a role. How about you and Adam Rashad Price, White isn't guaranteed to keep that role all damn year if he no. keeps running into dudes. I'm with Chase. Rashad White like, has he's like Antonio Gibson back there. He has no idea where the hole is and just runs into lines <laughs> and falls. Sean but Tucker could probably get more than 1.3 yards of carry. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, no, I no. I would drop I would drop White for Harris on a heartbeat. Okay. I definitely would drop. I would definitely get Najee Harris one way or another. Yes. Uh, yes. Let's get back to our game. Brandon Cooks. I'm not playing him this week. I have him as a wide receiver, 42, uh, and that actually wraps up everybody I want to talk about in this game. So let's go to our next match. <laughs> game i have no interest in actually watching until the film uh commanders and the denver broncos the broncos are favored at minus three and a half it is in denver i the, the only thing i'm betting right here is the 39 over under i'm taking the under i think i'm taking a lot of unders i don't usually like to take unders but that's all these games are setting up for right now the can i ask a question for the panel is that for the attendance figure can Denver score more than 20 points? Will it actually ever happen? No. No. It doesn't matter who's coaching. It doesn't matter what's going on. It's literally not possible. And I'm going to, Chris, I'm going to tell you this because I was I at mean, the game. Arizona so almost got 20 last week, Dan, just to keep in mind that defense can, Sam Howe can give you the ball and you know, fumble the end zone a couple of times for you. <laughs> I like listen. I was at the game last week, so I wasn't watching Red Zone. And when I saw Denver only scored 16 points, I was shocked that Wilson's line was as good as it was. Yeah. Like, and it wasn't good, but I was shocked as good as it was. And they still only scored 16 points. Like, it's just, it's just really weird what's going on there right now. So I'm taking it under all the way. We're not playing Wilson or Sam Howe. I do want to talk about Javante, though, because I got him at an RB23, so I'm a little bit higher in ECR. I got him at RB26. I have him definitely starting in your RB2 as a result. He had 19 opportunities in his first week back, and it wasn't particularly special, but still got the four yards to carry, did his thing in the passing game. Yes, he split snaps. We knew he was going to split snaps evenly with Samaja Perrine. That's not that's not something we weren't prepared for. Uh, and I was just encouraged by the volume. I don't love the match against the commanders. They would give up the fifth least amount of points of running backs last year. They did a good job last week as well. Uh, but I, I'm going to play Javante Williams. What, what, what do you say, uh, Adam? Yeah, no, I think I'm right there with you. Um, he split it. He did well with what he got. Uh, and I'm going to let you guys in on a little bit sec- bit of a secret. This offense is not going to be operating through the passing game. <laughs> so I don't think it necessarily matters if he's splitting the ball because they- the running game is going to be how this offense operates. So, you know, 60% of the carries might be quite a few carries. <laughs> Yeah, he out, he uh, he out targeted. He out targeted Samaje Pirine. He did. Who is a who is a pass catching running back? Yeah, that's huge. That's no, huge. And he's not fully healthy yet. He's not fully healthy yet. He didn't out. He didn't. Samaja Perrine still played ahead of him on two-minute drill and, and third-down passing situations. But yes, it's encouraging to see him be involved in both aspects of the game. Uh, Six targets before, yeah. Six yeah, targets exactly. before, and he wasn't in on third downs. That's the thing. 
Yeah, no, I totally agree. It's looking up for Brees Hall. It's looking up for Javante Williams, which is all we can ask for. Uh, as far as the Washington Commanders running backfield goes, I do have Brian Robson as a flex play. I'm not particularly excited about it, and I'm probably looking for other options in the receiving department than playing him. Yes, there's the floor, but I'm just not excited about the ceiling. And don't drop Antonio Gibson, by the way. We knew, and Chris, you can attest to this, I was telling everybody to sell high. Let me hit that. Sell high on Brian Robson because we knew the Arizona game script was actually going to be favorable for Brian Robinson. So I'm not worried about Antonio Gibson not having a role this year. Don't just don't drop him. I'm not playing him yet, but just, just don't drop him. Uh, Cortland Sutton is a wide receiver three for me. I think what we have to talk about though, and Chris can help me out with this one is the commander's receiving core. I have McLaurin's wide receiver 32. I have Jahan Johnson's wide receiver 31. I may be moving them down outside my top 36. I just don't like this match with Denver. Sam Howell troubled me against Arizona defense last week. I just don't I just don't have a good feeling about it. I'd rather not play either one if I could help it. What do you think? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I'm probably looking at who I think Patrick Jatan's gonna match up with. I think the other receiver has an easier matchup, yes. and you can't exploit the Denver. I mean, you know, Jacoby Myers had a nice game last week. You know, one of those guys, an example of how you can do something versus team. But Devontae Adams wasn't really uh, super effective. So I think that Patrick Sertain is the big, you know, X factor in this. How much you're going to see him? Is it going to be McLaurin? Is it going to be Dodson? Well, Washington does a pretty good job of right now is rotating the guys, moving on both both sides. Or it's going to be interesting. Is Beyond me going to kind of carry that over from last year? Or is he going to have a guy kind of on one side? McLaurin was banged up going the last week, so we didn't really see the full gambit of the play calling with him. Um, but so I, I think one of the guys is a flex option. It's going to be kind of who do you think the matchup's going to be? Is it Tan's going to see? Well, and I'll add to that even further. My other problem, too, is that Washington decided to get like Logan Thomas involved and Curtis Samuel involved and everybody under the sun involved, which also bothered me as well with an already low volume passing offense. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to say this about Marvin Mims. Prepare to be flushed. And hit me with little Jordan Humphrey and Brandon Johnson and whoever other practice squad bum you never heard of in your entire life and not just give it to Marvin Mims. Good God, Sean Payton, you're killing me inside. Uh, yeah, we're not playing anybody else in Adam Troutman or them. Let's get to our next match up, if I can. <laughs> Sunday night game, the Dolphins and the New England and Patriots, an AFC East matchup in this one. The Dolphins are favored at minus two and a half. Guess what? Dolphins do very well against the Patriots, and Dolphins were very impressive to me last week. The over-under is at 47. That seems about right. That I'm probably not going to touch. Uh, to attack Lavoa does come in as a quarterback 10 for me this week. Yes, the Patriots have a tendency to hold him in check. It is a tougher matchup. They did a very good job last week against the Philadelphia Eagles and Jalen Hurts. Flat out, too, it was too good last week to have on your bench this week. And that's why he has to crack my, my top 10. Uh, do, you, do you see it the same way, Chase? Yeah, no, I love him. I have him at nine, actually. And I, I know that I know that Bill Belichick's defenses typically tend to try and take away what you do best. And obviously what that team does best is the passing game. But uh, no, uh, Tua looked, yeah. he, he, he looked electric last week. He's got the, he's got the top one-two punch in the game in, in, in his receiver core. He's got a ton of speed in the backfield next to him. Uh, I, I love, I love Tua. I love Tua this year. 
as long as he stays healthy, which again, I've said it before. I said it last week. I'll say it again. We can say that about any dude on, on your chart. I don't care who it is. If the guy stays healthy. So if Tua can stay healthy, he's just, there's too much talent on that team and the way they want to use him, the way that he can throw the ball around. I, I love him for, for points. Give me some Tua. Hey, uh, Adam, help me out with this question from Richard Hernandez here. Uh, should he drop George Pickens for Jerry Judy? I wish I had these options on my waiver wire, but go ahead. <laughs> oh, that's so tough. That's so tough. I mean, Judy just keeps dealing with the injuries. Really, I, I, he's kind of devolved less into being a good route runner and more into just being a flashy one. You see kind of like the, the highlights here and there of him running a route, but it's not like substantially or like an efficient route. Uh, and then Pickens, I'm not a super big fan of either. Both of these are like crazy bad offenses, in my opinion. Um, I, I think you might have a touch more upside with the ability of the Steelers to get on track, but I don't know. They're both just such bad offenses, and both receivers who I think are talented but have done nothing but disappoint me when it comes to fantasy football. I, I would just keep Pickens personally. It's, it's it's really it's really really close. But Russell Wilson stinks, and with Deontay Johnson out, if George Pickens is ever gonna do it, it has to be while Deontay's out. So I would just kind of ride and see how that plays out. Uh, QF stops. Do either of you either of you foresee Justin Ross becoming a starter in Kansas City? Do I foresee it? Not really. He doesn't have the draft capital of a Sky Moore, Rashi Rice. He doesn't have the money that a Marquez Valdez-Scantling has. Is it impossible? No, because Chiefs' situation is wide open. Does any, can anybody foresee Justin Ross being a starter here? I mean, foresee is in it's a possibility, to your point. Like, yeah, it's a possibility. I would put it on a less than 50% chance. We already um, talked about the randomness of that room, though. I mean, yeah, even yeah, if exactly. you're a starter, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're somebody. He that could be a starter for two weeks and then never touch the ball again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm uh, taking him as a speculative ad in Dynasty, where I can get him cheap, or where right. anybody, or where anybody has already dropped him. I have no problem with that. I like that because yeah. the man does have talent. He sh- he showed well in preseason. He does have NFL talent. It's just it's it's not a situation where. It looks like he's going to be an alpha in a wide receiver room that needs an alpha. Yeah, I tend to agree. On on today, I'm not sure that he's the highest on that depth chart. Justin in that room. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Justin right. Watson's even ahead of him right now, as we saw on Thursday night. Uh, we're playing Ramondre Stevenson. Keep in mind, Raheem Mostert has a knee issue. Did not practice today. We'll get you updated on that in tomorrow night's show. That'll dictate where he goes. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle are all awesome. And uh, Dan, Dan, real quick, where was A Chain last week? He was hurt. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't play. Oh no, he, he wasn't hurt. He was he was healthy enough. He was a, he was a coach's inactive. Yeah. Very well done there, Chase. That was actually that was really impressive. That's what I do. <laughs> uh, yeah, 100%, Chris. I'm with you on that one. But we'll have to see. If, if it's not Raheem Oster, to your point, Chris, I do think it's Savannah Ahmed. I don't. I don't think it's Devon H. So we'll we'll go with that. Hey guys, give me uh, give me one Patriot receiver. Let's say Devontae Parker plays. Give me one Patriot receiver this week that you might touch with a ten foot pole, maybe. Troy Brown. <laughs> I like. Look, if you if you're gonna go for a possibility of who does the best, the matchup wise, I like Davis because he plays a lot of the slot. I think you're gonna attack Maddox. You against the Eagles. Um, so I mean that to me, that's the guy I'm looking at. I'm sorry, I messed up the game. They played the Eagles last week. 
Yeah, they played against the Eagles last week. You mean uh, Kendrick Bourne? You mean is who attacked that slot position? It was Davis. Uh, it was yeah. Mario, no Mario Davis, but no Mario Davis. You're right. I'm sorry. You're right. Uh, basically, I'm not really excited about any Patriots wide receiver. Period. We've seen Kendrick Bourne blow up in the past, and it means absolutely nothing moving forward. I am excited about Hunter Henry, and this I'm going to ask uh, Adam this question. I got him at eight. ECR has him at eleven. We heard all off season about the fact that he was Mac Jones's favorite target in the red zone. He doubled the Mike Gesicki snaps, so it shows how far ahead he is. And not just the snaps, because we know he's the better blocker, but also the routes run, too. So he was out there being more active as the pass catcher as well. Uh, is Hunter Henry top 10 tight end the rest of the year? I'm not the biggest Hunter Henry guy in the world, but he's a top 10 tight end. And it's because a lot of these guys, it gets said as an idea, oh, he's the big body. They're going to use him in the red zone. Hunter Henry, that's actually his reality. <laughs> Everyone says it about the tight end. Oh, they'll use him in the red zone. They'll use him in the red zone. It never happens. They finish the year with like five touchdowns. It happens with Hunter Henry. So at yeah, the end of the no. day, I don't. I think he looks like he's running through sand most of the time, but he's good. Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien's back calling plays. <laughs> Bill O'Brien's back calling plays. Tight ends are relevant again in New England. Everything's relevant again, New England, Chase. You saw how much different that offense was. It was, it was different to Bill O'Brien from Matt Listen, Patricia. Not everything is God, relevant, but God the tight ends are relevant again. Way more. Mac Jones was QB, too. That's pretty relevant in my book <laughs> when it comes to that kind of thing. Let's go to our next matchup. <laughs> Monday night games, guys. Two Monday night games. And ESPN's got to be counting their lucky stars because the first one's the Saints against the Carolina Panthers. And what a snore fest that's going to wind up being. <laughs> uh, so we got, we got the Saints favored at minus three and a half. That is a lock them in on the week. Carolina sucks. They have no weapons outside of Miles Sanders. Bryce Young looks like he's lost. The over-under is at 40. That's about right. I'm not going to be touching that. Uh, you have better options than Derek Carr. And I'm not going to be touching Bryce Young, obviously. So let's talk about Miles Sanders. The whole offense went through him, man. 24 opportunities. You had to play him as an RB, two, just on volume base. But, Chase, do you think he lasts at this rate at all? I don't know if he lasts, but I, don't, I mean, what other option do they have right Would now? Would you try I mean, to sell him high if you don't think he's going to last right now? Uh, well, yeah, I'd try to sell him high if I can, but I mean. You yeah, but you have to get you have to get commensurate value back for that. If healthy, again, if healthy, and get he was healthy, you know, for the most part, he's been healthy. He was healthy last year. When he was healthy last year, he got used. He we know he can produce when he's in there. I don't know that he can hold up, but I don't know that anybody can hold up. They're gonna run that offense to him. They need to run that offense to him because Bryce Young right now is like He's like that character in, in all the Jurassic Park movies when they get to the clearing and it's the tall grass and you look up and they can't see over the grass and all here, here come all of the, the raptors are just from every direction. He doesn't know what he can't. He, he, it just is what it is right now. They need, they need to fix some things on that offense. But until they do, unless and until Bryce Young becomes a pro quarterback, Miles Sanders is that offense. If you can sell him high, yeah, but you have to get something that you know you're going to get running back to at higher running back to value than what Miles Sanders has given you. Um, I mean, it's it's going to have to take that kind of offer, and I'm not necessarily sure you can 
find you're going to find that from somebody? I don't know. You might if the if you have a you JK Dobbins owner out there and they're struggling, you, you, I think you might. That uh, that yeah, that's a that's a target. That's a definite like specific specific target in on whoever lost JK Dobbins. Maybe that dude will give you a a nice wide receiver too for for Sanders, as long as you can, as long as you can absorb that in your own running back room. Yeah. Yeah. I tend to agree. Uh, Chuba Hubbard is definitely the handcuffs. So just keep that in mind. Uh, Jamal Williams. He is a borderline RB two flex high end RB three with the uh, volume he's going to see and likely game script. That I think we're going to have in this one too. You're playing Chris Olave. Michael Thomas, kind of a fringe wide receiver three. Chris, let me ask you this question. Michael Thomas or Rashid Shahid the rest of the year. Michael Thomas, as long as, I think as long as he's healthy, Michael Thomas will continue to be one of the guys who's involved week in, week out in this offense. Rasheed had a big play, I like explosiveness, but I think it's going to be hard for him to continue to get the volume week in, week out. I, I, you know what? I tend to agree with that. Michael Thomas definitely looked like he lost something there, but he, Derek Carr was willing to throw him jump balls. As long as he's willing to do that, I think he'll be all right. Rasheed Rice is like the new best ball darling. Oh, yeah, 100%. That's ball darling, but again, like I said with Tyler Lockett three, four years ago, I don't want to have to guess what weeks he goes off for 30 points, but it's going to happen. His first two touches in the entire league were both 50-plus yard touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Matt C. Hey guys, I have two solid receivers, but no bench. Someone dropped Gabe Davis. I have a hundred fab dollars. You believe in Gabe Davis and his 12 fab, the right price. I would go 16 fab just to make sure I get him. Gabe Davis is actually a quality player. And uh, yes, I would go ahead and lock him in Matt C and everyone's nodding their heads. So they're pretty much in agreement with that. Let's go ahead to our last matchup of the evening. <laughs> lock them in for you guys i'm taking cleveland minus the two here the over-unders at 40 and a half i'm staying away from that it seems about right but no team last year won a game after they played the 49ers the following week and the steelers especially don't look good going against the cleveland browns this week so we are locking in cleveland at minus two uh deshaun watson is qb third i wasn't planning on talking about i feel like i have to he's qb 13 for me technically he finishes qb5 last week but it was the ugliest qb5 i've ever seen in my life and i just feel like there should be some improved play with the quarterbacks does anybody think he should be inside the top 12 yeah daniel jones is top 10 so why not deshaun watson in top 12 <laughs> that's fair that's I, fair. Have him, I have him right at 12 because he's playing pittsburgh like I said, I have him at 13 because he's playing Pittsburgh there, yeah. too. I just didn't like what I saw out of the guy at all. Uh, and I, I kind of worry about this just becoming such a Nick Chubb defensive game that I wonder if he pulls a Dak Prescott and does anything. But that's why you're talking about those bubble guys there. It falls right in line. If, if we're uh, going to say, though, if we're going to say don't judge Joe Burrow's performance last week, though, on the weather, which a lot of people have. I uh, Listen, I know Deshaun Watson of right now is not Joe Burrow of right now. But, again... Give it, give it a minute or two. Let's actually That's watch right. him be able to run the offense and and play the game not you know, not in a monsoon. The it, one it, thing it, he did definitely, to Chase's you, point, one thing he definitely liked was that he ran the ball. So I mean, we yeah, all know that the yeah. cheat code in the NFL and you the floor if you're going to run. You drafted him as a as a as a low end fringe running back, or I mean running back, that's Freudian slip, quarterback one. That's where he still is. So no. I mean, what else, if you have a better option on your roster then you had a better option on your roster? If you didn't, he's your starter. 
That's fair too, because I'm not dropping them to pick up anybody else too, to no, your point. Not right now. On that standpoint. Uh, Adam, help me out with the Steelers running back room. So they did nothing as San Fran. We'll we'll throw that game out to some degree. What was interesting from that game is technically speaking, although being at that game, it was a little more contextual than that, but technically speaking, Najee Harris and Jalen Warren actually split carries and pretty much split snaps. Now, like I said, as someone who was at the game and watched it, it was more of game kind of got well in hand. Jalen Warren started playing a little bit more. It just happened that quickly. But do you take away from this? Are you knocking down Najee Harris and pumping up Jalen Warren, or do you think it was just a one-time, or not necessarily a one-time thing, but a game script dependent thing that happened last week? Yeah, I think it was game script dependent. In fact, within context, I really want to hammer that home. Within context, I thought Najee looked fine, to be honest with you. I, I It's a tough defense. That offensive line was at a disadvantage. I know that they've you know improved, but certainly not to that extent to where they're going to come up against that defense. I thought Najee, all things considered, looked at least better than the start of last season. Well, yeah, especially coming off the Liz Franck injury, I, I tend to agree with you. I have him at RB18. I am playing him. Warren is still just a handcuff in my book. Uh, Chris, George Pickens, I have him at wide receiver 30. Is it do or die time? Should he be a wide receiver three in your team? Do you still have a lot of reservations? What do you got? I think it's absolutely do or die time. And I wouldn't, you know, there's a lot of receivers we talked about earlier that I actually, I think I would take over George Pickens. Adam talked about the you know Jerry Judy trade earlier, and what would you pull the you know, trigger on Pickens or Judy? For me, the difference is Judy actually produced when he's healthy. He's been out there. When has Pickens done anything? I feel like this is getting to the Tony State stage where we're, we're, we keep just hyping this guy up because when he doesn't practice, he looks so awesome, and then we get 30, 40 yards in the week game. And we also know Kenny Pickett can't play quarterback, which I think finally going to get established this year at some point. Um, and I don't think one of the things he struggles with is when Pickens doesn't get separation, he doesn't have a guy he can clearly see to get the ball to. He doesn't take shots down the field with Pickens. So I'm not loving Pickens. I mean, I think he's a receiver three option, but if I have somebody else that I can put in there, I'm probably trying to figure out how to do so. Listen, Pickens, Pickens looks like pre-injury Odell Beckham, which is why everybody's all psyched up because they think they're going to, they're getting 2014, 2015 Odell Beckham, but he's never had more than eight targets in a game. He's had 100-yard game in 18 games in his career. He's had one time, and that was with a career-high six receptions. He's never had a 20-point game in his in his career so far. And by the way, Allen Robinson had all the damn targets last week with with Deontay John when Deontay Johnson went down. That had and more listen, to do with I'm not ex- I am not excited about that. I'm just saying, what the hell is there to be excited about with George Pickens that you can't see at you know 10:30 on on Sports Center after the game's done in two, three second bursts. He's a highlight reel. He's fun to watch play. I don't want him. I don't want him anywhere near him on my fantasy team until he proves otherwise. It could be really fun if he really is pre-injury Odell, but I'll believe that when I see it. Don't disagree with anything you're saying. What I will say, just defense of George Pickens is despite of all that, he still finished wide receiver 36 last year. So he's still a wide receiver three. The idea is he could be taking the next step up in the second year. I'm with you. I'm not excited about Pickett. I don't think Pickens is as good as everybody tries to make him out to be. I'm 100% with you, but I do think he's a flex play at least for this week, and it's time for him to show it with Deontay out. Just to remind everybody, Dan, the upside with Pickens, you know, with Pickett, uh, we had zero touchdowns from Deontay Johnson last year. We had two from Pat Fermuth. <laughs> so what are we really aiming for when becoming the top receiver in the Pittsburgh offense? 
Also, you're aiming for a wide receiver three. That's exactly what you're aiming for. A deep guy, and their longest touchdown of last season was seven yards. <laughs> Thanks, Matt Canada. Yeah, when's he going to get I freaking fired? Know. Seriously. That or was, the Arizona that job. Was, that was beautiful. <laughs> beautifully well. Get the Arizona job. Banish him to the desert. Get the hell oh, out of here. Man. Uh, George play one Tua or Justin Fields. It is Justin Fields for me. The rushing gives him just too much of a floor. Does anybody disagree with that? I have him ranked eighth and ninth, and it's Justin Fields. Yeah, yeah, I tend to agree. For this uh, week. Keep your eyes. Yeah, for this week, I agree. Uh, Amari Cooper, you had to play him. Elijah Moore, keep your eye on him. Not quite in my lineup yet, but might be soon if Watson, that offense, can get going. I do want to mention Pat Fryermuth. I think he actually is the main beneficiary of Deontay Johnson being out from a PPR target standpoint. Uh, we do expect him to play with a chest injury. He was good. They, he could have played last week, too. They just kind of took him out of the game because it was already such a blowout. Um, but I do like him from a target standpoint. And he is a top 10 tight end for me, and so is David Njoku. And uh, that does it. You guys have any other comments you want to wrap hey, up with? So I know we were ripping on uh, the fair, laughing at the fact that I brought up, you know, Allen Robinson. Would you take him in? Would you pay for him? Because you're not going to have to pay for him, really, in DFS? No. No. Uh, so, like I said, I was watching that game pretty closely. Allen Robinson actually started doing his thing until Pat Farmworth got knocked out, and he just kind of became the big X-Facto tight end in the middle who ran those routes. That's kind of why he wound up with the targets that he did. As long as Farmworth's healthy, I don't. I think that role is Farmworth, not Allen Robinson. As my wake-up alarm goes off here. Uh, <laughs> Get up. So that's, that, would be, that, would, that would be my take on it. That does it for the show. Thank you, Chase, Chris, Adam, Chase. I know you got something coming up on Sunday morning. Guys, make sure you tune in for the Billy Up Fantasy Live show Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Chase does a great job with that. We're going to be back tomorrow. And when I say we, I know me. I don't know I don't know about the rest of these guys, honestly. But I know we'll be back tomorrow with Brian Scott at 9.30. We'll be on our YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe. You get notified whenever we get new content available to you. You will know. We're also going to have uh, Chase Flaherty on for the second half to talk about some sports betting. So we got injury updates. We have sports betting for you. A little bit of everything right before we head into the weekend at 9.30 tomorrow. Make sure you download us on your favorite podcast app. Make sure you follow us on social media at BillyUpMDFF show and mdff show everywhere else other than x and we'll see you guys all next week